Hey guys, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wissahickon High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks to Matt Lamastro for episode 223, available in the archives everywhere you get your podcasts, and of course available at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. Go there and subscribe, like videos. I don't know. They say it helps. Matt was really fun. Of course, we got to do it in person. And, um, you know, it's not all the time that I'm getting to do these in-person interviews. But as I've now been vaccinated and I'm able to take some more precautions, I'm really thankful to those that are willing and able to come down here in the city and do things kind of like we used to do it back in old 2019. Follow the podcast on Facebook and Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. And I am at Redshirt Playa everywhere. This week, my guest is Chris Gebert. This is a really interesting interview because Chris and I have been talking for a few years now. Before the podcast happened, I was invited into this really cool Facebook group that basically just talks about 90s and early 2000s hip hop. I talked about it with Jason Herb, who is also a member of this group. Uh, this was their thing and, and a few years ago invited me into it. And for the last few years, that is how my relationship with Chris has existed through music, mainly through hip hop on Facebook. So it was almost like an oversight to have not even had Chris on this show yet to talk to him more in depth. And I really didn't know what type of a person Chris was. So I'll tell you now, this was a really good time. Chris is fun and I won't spoil anything, but uh there's a lot of singing in this. <laughs> so get ready for some earworms and enjoy my conversation with Chris Gebert. Can you hear me? Yeah. There you are. What's up, dude? What's up, dude? You would think that after a year of virtual teaching that I would have the technology thing figured out by now. Nope. That's not how it works out, brother. What's going on? <laughs> not much, man. How you been? Oh, man. Living the dream, brother. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um. Yeah, dude. You know, it's been uh it's been it's been a hell of a year, dude. I gotta say. It's been a hell of a year. Wild. Yeah, man. How about yourself? What's going on? Not much, man. Just uh just still kicking it here in South Philly. Just you know. Beard game's so- on point, cuz. <laughs> yeah, growing a beard. <laughs> I, I wish I could do that. The best I can do is the Fu Man Chew. That's okay. That works. That yeah, works. Trust me, it had to work. My wife made, <laughs> my wife maybe shave it after uh after like month two of the pandemic. I had to get rid of it. So you should have dyed it blonde first. I saw, dude, I, I told her, I was like, I'm going to go. That's going to be my Halloween costume. I was quite certain that the pandemic was going to be over by Halloween. Right, right. But, you know, here we are still. I'm still I'm still virtual. It's crazy. It's crazy. What school district are you in? So I teach um, it's called Renaissance Academy Charter School. It's uh, it's in Phoenixville. OK, um, so it's really part of like the Phoenixville community. But we pull our biggest pool is Norristown. So it's like uh, okay. Northtown and Phoenixville are our two biggest pools, um, and we we get we get kids from all over, from you know like Tredyffrin and Easttown and Westchester, like not not necessarily Westchester, but not that far out, but Downingtown, um, as far uh, up as like close to Methacton. So Methacton, oh, wow. I think, is is like the stretch. But yeah. okay, so you pull yeah. them all over. Yeah, man, we'll definitely have to. Uh, next time I'm down there, I'll, I'll give you uh, shoot shoot you a text or something. Yeah, something dude. Out. Yeah, dude. Do this. Do this proper. Hey, absolutely, man. That was uh, that was the one thing I was bummed about. I was like, you know, my wife was like, you know, uh, you're a teacher. Are you really? Is this is this in your best interest? And I was like, I'm just shooting the shit with a with an old with an old buddy. You know what I mean? Like, just I just like 
you and I, I feel like, you know, we never, it, it wasn't like a hangout thing. You know what I mean? But I think that there was a little bit of mutual respect there. And then after like when Facebook came along, it's it, with the music. I mean, that right there was like, holy shit. What like, how come we haven't been been like in touch and hanging out? And then the wrestling thing that I had no idea about. I'm a huge wrestling nerd. So it's uh, it's just, you know, kind of. So a couple points on that. It's funny because you're one of the first people that I, I really remember of like having like that kind of that internal moment of like, oh, you've got to you've got to move on, dude. You've got to like and this is me talking to myself, you know, so um when when things started up on Facebook and like uh, and I started getting in touch with like Jason and Kevin again, um, you know, I, I didn't really know about like different crews or who was friends with who or whatever. Um, so I've been talking to Kevin a lot. We've gone to a Sixers game years ago and like and then Jason, uh, Jason, I always kind of like back and forth with talk and stuff. And I knew him from like college time before I left before I left the area. And and so when we were back on Facebook and we we're talking about music and then like like, oh, we're doing this uh, this hip hop thing. We're doing this battle hits. Right. And I'm like, oh, OK. And and at the time it was just like, you know, we just had the, there was the Facebook page and it was just Kevin, Jason and you. <laughs> and you don't have your full name on Facebook. So at first it was like, you know, we were, I was just getting these tags and I'm like, Oh, Kevin, Jason. And I was like, who is this? Who's this Christopher? And I'm looking and swear to God, my first reaction was, Oh, I don't fuck with him. I don't fuck with Gebert. Like that was my first thing was like, not in like a negative way, but just like, you know, bringing all that high school shit with you into your, into your thirties at this point. And you go, Oh, well, my memories of Gebert, like I always cool with like, with like, you know, this guy and that guy. And like, I don't really like talk to any of those guys. I never did. I'm not, and that was the whole point of the podcast was because I didn't have relationships with all these people. And then it's like, I run into them and, and just have this, Hey, how you been? Yeah. That's how you would have been. I didn't have any type of a relationship. So I even like, I felt a little hesitant. And, and I think it was more of like a fear of like, you're going to be like Corbett's in this group. What the fuck? You know, like that's, but that was my impression. That's, that's the idea that I would have. And so like in the very beginning, I was very hesitant and I may have even like just tagged Jason and and um and kevin and like left you off and then like i think you tagged me on something like oh no he like he i'm i'm cool to be in this like this is this is okay to be in this and and the very first people to get like that i adopt started adopting that mindset with yeah i mean dude i think like i think back to that time so let me just let me just uh so christopher smith on on facebook like clearly there's a reason for that yeah Um, number one my middle name's smith um, and I really, really hope that my my students' parents don't listen to this podcast because then my students are going to be hitting me up. So the reason why I went to Christopher Smith was because they would find me when I was teaching. So I started teaching in North Penn School District. I was fourth grade, so I didn't have anything to worry about there. And then my very first job out of um, you know out of uh, North Penn was up in Allentown, and they always call Allentown the Mini Philadelphia, and it's it's a challenging spot. But, um, you know, the funny thing about that is I was teaching seventh and eighth grade English with these kids and they are like to this day, I still keep in contact with 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 some of them. I mean, I have my you know, my uh, one of the kids, he's uh, you know, he's in the he's in the uh, military and another one. He's um, he's playing basketball. I went to go see him two years ago down at LaSalle. So like it's just it's funny how that all works out. But these are the kids that were finding me and blowing me up every single day. And I'm like. I can't have this as if, if I want to be a teacher, you know, if, the, if I want to have a career path here, I need to, I need to change things. So my middle name being Smith, I was like, this is perfect. Christopher Smith. If you Google, if you uh, Facebook search for Christopher Smith, there's a thousand, I mean, more than that. There's like, you know, there's thousands of them. 
it's one of the most common, you know, exactly. it's a might, common. like that. And shout out to Mike Brown. Like those are like the two. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's just, you know, it's, it's interesting because it was like, all right, what kind of, what kind of person do I want to be? Am I going to be like, am I going to be like the player's coach where I'm going to, you know, trying to be friendly with these kids or am I going to be the mentor? And like, Hey, I've been there. So obviously, you know, you want to, you want to go that, that second route. And you want to be the mentor to these these kids and everything like that. But um, it was so I changed my name and they couldn't find me anywhere. And then it became the top, like that was the hot topic of the year. We have to find Mr. Gebert's. Uh, we have to find his, you know, his uh, social Facebook media, or, yeah, his social media accounts. So it was like it was like a big treasure hunt. But, uh, you know, going back to, to what you were saying. Um, yeah, I think like like growing up, like it was just uh, one of those things where um, my parents real, real early, um, you know, they, they said, you know, you have to be welcoming of everybody. Like you can't sit there. And did I bust balls? Absolutely. I mean, I'm five, six, I had nothing else to do, but bust balls because everybody was giving it to me. Um, but you know, it's always, there's always a fine line. Like I'll never forget, um, getting pulled into a fifth grade meeting with my mom, my dad, and and my fifth grade teacher, Miss Revels. And Miss Revels was like, I just wanted to pull you into this this meeting just to sh- to say to you how proud I am of you for accepting. You know, it was Safir Body. Safir was, you know, um, he was he was Pakistani. Uh, yeah, he well, he was a handful. And yeah. like in, in school, and he really. So you're talking about his personality. I go right to his, to his nationality. <laughs> It's a, but like he was, uh, but like he was a handful and she was like, and at no way, like at no point do you like jump in. Like it was always, you're accepting, you're trying to bring people into the group. So like, you know, when it was like, oh shit, like, you know, it's Corbett, like, absolutely. Like I know of him, I didn't know you personally, but like, that was, that was the fun part. Like to see like, yo, he fucks with that music. I fuck with that music. This is like a great, and it's, it's a perfect bridge. And if you ask any one of my friends to this day, especially Nelson or Uma, they will tell you that getting into my car is like stepping into the DeLorean because there is nothing. It's 1998 hip hop to 2006, 2007. It, it always, it's like funny, like that uh, uh, wedding crashers or Step Brothers or whatever movie it is where, you know, they're on stage. And it's like, yeah, we're strictly eighties, Billy Joel. Right. Yeah. No, I'm strictly 2000 hip hop, sir. So I don't know if you know that, but yeah, that's, it's really hard for me to get out of that you know, to get out of that, um, that, that funk and try to get into the music. But I will say having an eight-year-old son now, he has definitely, uh, he's definitely given me, uh, given me more, more eclectic taste in music, if you will. So. Yeah. I've had time during the quarantine to like, really, I mean, I, I've been the same way. Like I'm very, like, I, I look at it as a fault because when you're single and you're trying to like, like, Oh, what are you into? And like, you just go to like, do you like nineties R and B? Do you like like do you do you like like the bad boy era right after Biggie died like the the bad boy for life era like that's what I'd love to talk to you about Mark Curry and you know like Damn, right like, yeah. and I and I'm cursed with that like I, I like new you know I'm into like Twenty One Savage and and there's some guys that I I really fuck with now but uh, for me it's a comfort thing nineties you know late nineties like ninety five ninety four ninety five to like um two thousand three is really like my wheelhouse yeah i i couldn't agree i couldn't agree with you more like i mean my very first memories of hip-hop um were uh brad mcgoldrick farley farley used to have this this huge tape deck man i mean like it was just you know it was two tape two tape where like where you dubbed uh you can dub yeah, the dual cassette and then the cd player on top so oh, yeah, he had the tower 
Yeah, he had, it was huge. His setup was unreal. And we would sit there for all hours. Like his mom was, was so freaking cool. She would go out and she would buy us like the Dr. Dre or the Snoop Dogg CD. And then he would dub it for me. And then, you know, and then we'd be dubbing it for everybody with Payne Hills. And it was like, it was just like this whole big thing. And those were my very first experiences with that. And then, oddly enough, like I found, I found this Stony Creek. fifth wow. grade. Yeah. And I was just going through it. Doing, I wasn't doing any prep work or anything like that. Uh, actually, Oma and I got so banged up one night that we were, we pulled out all the, all the albums and we were just like, Oh man, remember that? So this was like, I know exactly where this was, but like just looking at like some of the people and their favorite music, it was either, it was either Warren, um, Warren G Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, the movies were like the program, um <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire was a real popular one. So it's just it's crazy, mm. man. Like like how many things like just bring up those those memories and, and things like that. But yeah, that that music right there, those uh those for those albums, the chronic and um and and doggy style definitely you know got me into it. And I can I know every single word to every yeah. single one of those songs. It's insane. But yeah, it's funny. I can I can skip, you know, I cannot listen to those songs for like a year and a half and then like I'll hear a sound and it'll, it'll take me off. Like if I hear any, like when I, when I was, I was pouring the vodka and I, and just the, you like just hearing that. And then I wanted to go, uh, and like just go right into it. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And you know, that's, that's the other thing about like, about this, like I, I always find like Wissahickon, like Wissahickon in general, you know, it's it's really hard to find a group of, of people who have been away from each other for, you know, 20 some years and who can easily just come back and reconnect. And I feel like that's a Wissahickon thing because I know people from Upper Dublin. I know people, you know, from all over who don't have like what we have. Like if we kind of just got like got into it, like it would be it wouldn't be surprising for you to if you came up and you saw like one of our you know, one of our, like one of our get togethers where you see like a bunch of people just together. And it's like, Holy shit, you guys all still hang out. You right. know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's not, it's not just three, like three or four of us. Usually it's like when we get together, I mean, you get, you get the old crew back together. It's nine, 10, 11 people. Yeah. At the, at a minimum. Yeah, exactly. So. So when did that, when did, so you started at Stony Creek, were you there from the beginning in kindergarten? Oh yeah. Yep. Yep. Mrs. Ranieri was my kindergarten teacher. Um, yeah, I was, um, that my very first memory of, of school was, uh, it was, um, George H. Bush, uh, and Michael Dukakis, the 1988 election. Wow. Yeah. I remember shit like that. It's really (laughs) weird. Um, but like, it was, it was funny because uh, they gave us like this little piece of paper and like check who you would vote for. And I'm looking at Dukakis and I'm thinking in my head, like, like that, does that say Dick? You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) that's funny. That's what you think it says instead of cock. Yeah. I can't. Yeah, you know, there you go. I can't read it. I didn't even know my sight words at that point, you know. But like when you know when they're when they're talking, you know, there's just so many so many random memories um, that that kind of come back. And when I was looking through that that album, you know, it's also kind of sad because you see like all the people that that aren't here anymore along the way. And we've had a huge like, you know, that's 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 the saddest part for me is that, you know, like, oh man, I remember hanging out with that kid, you know, um, when we were like, when we were 12 or whatever, like I was looking like Mike Davidic, you know what I mean? Like right. he was one um, that was a good friend of mine, Stony Creek. Uh, we would always cross paths like later on. And uh, that was, you know, it, when, when he passed away, it was tough. And then his sister passed away and his sister was, was friends with my sister. And it's like, wow. man, like it's, it's just, it's incredible. The, the pain that, that some of these people, these families have gone through um, and, 
you know, I feel blessed to, to, to still be here. Um, but you know, I mean, you, you guys talk, we talk about it all the time. Like, I mean, not me and you, but you know, Edom, Evan, like one of my, one of my best friends. And that was, that was pretty devastating, especially because like him and I kind of lost touch towards the end. And it's like, you always wonder like, is there anything that, that, you know, I, I wish that we continued some of those relationships. Um, and his music was blowing up and he was, mm really like he was just like I'm, I'm so thankful for those memories and the laughter that we had you know it's just it, it's so many memories come back and there's yeah. so many that you don't even know which one's the key in on so who were you hanging out with in in stony creek so stony creek was was it was like a grab bag um you know like we uh were you in uh, blue bluebell you said whipping hills is that where you were is that where you were living in no Whipping i lived hills, right or? down the road i lived walking okay. distance to whipping hills so okay. like I would like uh, Farley came, um, Brad came in uh, in fifth grade. And that's kind of when him and I, you know, him and I really hit it off. So we had this band, Adam, Brad and Chris. And it was Adam Salter, yeah. Brad McGoldrick. It was myself and uh, Brad Troutman also, who was uh, double Brad's in the group. Yeah, dude, it was pretty it was pretty it was pretty badass. Um, I didn't play guy, I didn't play a thing. So I brought nothing to the table. The only thing I brought to the table was the C. And like, I can't dance. I can't sing. I don't play instruments. So I was just happy to be part of the group. You know Did they? I mean? Huh? Did they? No, none of us. We didn't. <laughs> it, was, it was just like, it was just like what we, what we talked You guys about. watching California <laughs> dreams. Like we could do this. Yeah. Cal, dude, great show, by the way. Good pool. Good pool. Thank you. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but there was, there was then like Lamar Kareem, Rafi, um, Cedric yeah, Harris. If you remember Cedric, like mm-hmm. there were, yeah, there, there were quite a few of us in that, in that crew. Um, but like Adam Salter, uh, Drew Douglas, Dan Cassidy. Um, I can't believe I forgot about Danny. I'm not my, like my oldest friend. Um, but yeah, so Danny and I grew up like I, where I lived, Danny lived right behind, uh, behind me or in front of me, depending on which side of the street you're on. Sure. Um, but you know, Danny and I, and uh, I, uh, oddly enough, today is uh, the uh, anniversary of his dad's passing. So uh, rest in peace, Mr. Cassidy. Um, Definitely. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. And that's, a, you know, Danny and I um, have been together for, um, I'm 38, so 35 years. Wow. You know what I mean? Like since we were three or four years old, we went to St. John's nursery school together. Ryan Dunn was in that. Um, he was in at St. John's with us. He didn't go to Stony Creek, but um, you know, him, his mom and, and my mom had a, had a great relationship. So, okay. yeah. So like, I'm, I'm all over the place here, but yeah, um, no, no, you had a, it sounds like you were like, just, it just sounds so it's interesting because my friend group always came just from my street. I grew up in right. South Ambler where like Mike Mayo and Ray Campion and yeah. Bill Clayton and, and all those guys like just lived there. And those were my friends. Um, it didn't really, you know, outside of like a few people, we, we used to all go to Alex Mater's house after school and in the summers. And so like Alex Mater and Brandon Markcraft and Matt Osga and, and Alex yep. Grosskirth and like Andy Bell, those guys were like in, in, yeah. encapsulating those groups. And we all did Cub Scouts together. And that was about it. So no matter where I went through was a Hicken, like that was kind of like my core of people, you know, until I got to like high school, you know, high school time. But it sounds like for you, you just had a lot of different influences. And I always say this. It seems it feels like an Ambler versus everywhere everywhere else because Ambler had had like streets and neighborhoods and you could walk ride your bike anywhere you want. Yeah. Literally, you had to get a ride to most places, right? So, well, <laughs> technically, you probably should have, but um, <laughs> so you know that's that's actually the the funny thing. Like it would it would not be unheard of to see me riding my bike down two hundred two and heading over to um you know um like Drew Douglas's house or to Eddie Waltermate's house back in uh, Corman Suites. You know, we we all we. <laughs> 
we were not safe, man. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like the shit that we did then, you can't do anymore. Like, and like either people are going to report you and the cops are going to pull you over on your bike or, you know, you're just, you're, you're going to get, you're going to get hit by a car because yeah. people are crazy now. But yeah, I mean, we literally walked or rode our bikes every single place that we went to. And, you know, it was, it was, you know, the beginning of the, uh, like it would, it was, easy to go up to Whipping Hills and to hang out there. And uh, then we would go down to like that strip mall down in um, where Clover and, uh, you know, center square, center square, right. The Clemens where everyone worked. Exactly. And we would go, we'd go into the tunnel where Clemens does where like we'd smoke our cigarettes and be like little, little stupid kids. You know what I mean? Um, But it it was, and then it just, it just kind of grew. And it's like, you know, when you're, once your friend group grows, especially it was a Hankin because it's such a big, like a big area, you know, I wasn't going to ride my bike to Ambler. But at right. the same time, you know, I could go and I could see like Drew and Eddie and and some of those people on the other side, um, you know, more towards uh, where, where I could wherever I could get to. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, man, it's it was not unheard of to see to see things like that happen um, randomly, like little 12 year old on a bike just wheeling down 202. Can you imagine seeing that right now? I was going to say, and that's before uh, 202 got the construction. So, like, it didn't even really have shoulders. No, there was no shoulders. That's uh, that's even better. Um, you know, like right by where where um, St. Helena's is and where like like Pat's hairstylish, like like that whole like right there. there it's so narrow. Mm-hmm. I remember like almost being hit by a car multiple times. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, at least I had the wherewithal to like, you know, stay in a straight line and like try get to where I needed to be. So well, that's how it was. Right. We could do anything back back in the 80s and 90s. Like, yeah. Like our parents, I don't know. We always, I, I feel like uh, nowadays people look at like our parents, people always say parents were strict, right? They hit you. They, yeah. they, you know what I mean? They didn't let you talk to you. You see parents nowadays yelling at their her kids, yelling at the parents and you go, Oh, my parents would never, but like, but also our parents just let us literally play in traffic. Yeah, <laughs> How strict yeah. was it? <laughs> it comes down to like logical consequences. You play in traffic, you get hit by a car. That's your consequence. That'll you know, learn them. And it's like, you know, I'll bet you. And it's like my dad sitting there with the, you know, cracking a Coors Light and with the steak on the grill. Like, well, that's what he gets for playing in traffic. You know what I mean? It's just uh, it, it's funny like that, how how things have have completely changed. And as a teacher, you know, like I remember my childhood very, very well. But now I'm seeing like how these kids are growing up. And now as a parent, like. What kind of parent do I want to be? And it's 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 a it's a tough question to answer, you know. And there's there's a fine line between being strict and like you know wanting better out of out of the kids, but there's also like you know it, it's it's everything that you do or everything that that somebody hears or sees nowadays, you, they put you under a microscope, and it's really scary. And it's right, like, it's everyone's business now. Exactly, and I'm so cognizant of that. Like, even if my my wife and I are like yelling at the kids, like, and the windows are open, I'm just like, like nonchalantly, like, close the window. <laughs> my wife doesn't care, man. She's Italian. She will she will scream her head off. She wants everybody to know that she's gonna rip our kids' heads off. And that's, you know, that's me, yeah. Yeah, and and that's like I'm a loud person, and it's like, all right, man. Like, I but at the same time, perception's a big thing. I don't, you know, I don't want people to think that I'm sitting there beating my kids, and because quite honestly you know, that's, that's one of our philosophies is like, we don't raise our hands to our children, but at Mm. the same time, we're very strict and we're firm. So, you know, if they're going to, if they're going to mess up or they're going to do something wrong, they'll go to their bedroom. They're, you know, no snacks, like no dessert, nothing like that. We'll take their electronics away. But like, it's just one thing that her and I agreed with, uh, agreed to, um, when we had kids. And it's like, uh, at this point right now, you know, Christopher, eight years old, pushing the buttons, you know, there's every once in a while, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, so I'll flick them. I'll flick them in the back of the ear. 
And that's like, cause just to like, just to get it, let them know that I'm here and I'm, and I'm watching them, you know, but you ever think about just like going for the flick and then just accidentally just being like, bam. Oh, sorry. Just kind of like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, he's a, uh, he's a ball tapper. So you have to be very careful. Oh, wow. Yeah, man. Like he's, and he knows, he knows when people are, are exposed to, he'll just bam. And next thing you know, people are on the ground. So it's shout uh, out to Howard. Watch yeah, him. Right. Oh my gosh. Howard. Absolutely. Uh, I see him running around by a fifty, like like well, I did when I was down when I was down that way a lot. So I saw him uh, last weekend. I was down at the Campions for Easter, and he was literally right outside on on Chestnut Street. He was just like hanging out on his bike out there with the. I said I didn't go out to see him. I used to work with him for years, and so I was just kind of telling uh, some of the Campions about about my days with Howard back in the day at Wawa. Yeah. And I go, yeah, man, I used to just roll around with the yellow vest, and they go, yeah, he's wearing the yellow vest right now. <laughs> of course he is. Yeah. That's awesome that you still keep in touch with the champions. That's uh, yeah, much respect to you. Um, Ray was in my sixth grade class and he was always a really, really like sweet kid, man. Like, you know, he was kind of quiet, little reserved, but um, you know, he was like, he was always a sweet kid from what I remember. And I know Pam, uh, Pam has a great relationship with him too, or had a, you know, um, and Pam and I have a relationship because when she went to Bloomsburg, right. you know, uh, yeah, her uh, her dad used to drive us back and forth, and I used to make these CDs, and he would he would listen to them because he loved Led Zeppelin was like his shit. So like I like little Led Zeppelin on there, you know, and he would put them on, and he would jam out. He's a great great guy. So I got fond memories of that. That's funny. Yeah, like I said, man, I feel like a ping pong. Like it's it's not like you know I it, I just. I'm a personable person. That's why I'm a teacher. That's why I'm a bartender. <clears throat> you know, I love social I love, and exactly. keep it moving. And it's just like, you know, I can sit here and I can bullshit with somebody that, you know, for hours. And it's 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 kind of like my thing. And I, I just something that I really enjoy doing. So which is why, like, I always had like a friend group, but mm-hmm. like I was always friendly with people outside of that friend group. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things. Like, again, it, it probably came down superficially to like perception. I didn't want anybody to think I was a piece of shit. I didn't want anybody to think I was like some person. Number one, I can't fight. So I never got in a fight. Number two, I'm five, seven. So like there's, even if I got in a fight, I get my ass kicked. You know what I mean? So it was always, I always found that it's like, it's better to just, you know, be polite, be respectful. But were you aware? Like, did you like, I, you know, I didn't, I don't think I thought I was being like disrespectful or I thought, you know, I just thought like I was just being, you know, I don't think I was aware enough of my behavior to know that I'm, I'm being an asshole to a kid, to, to a classmate or, you know, or that I'm even like starting something, causing something until it happens. And then you're in it. And I was never self-aware enough to be like, oh, I need to be better t- towards people. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think a lot of it, was was like sarcasm you know what i mean like there were probably people who thought that i was a dick or as an asshole um but quite frankly i'm such a sarcastic person like the inner circle of my friend group would be like that's just gabber being gabber right you know it's uh has nothing to do with him and you know like because honestly like there were just so many like like just so many like people that that i had come in contact with and they were all like unique and 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 cool in their own way and it was like you know it's it's one of those things where man i wish i got to hang out with that person more and yeah. like it goes back to like 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 a ryan dunn like who was who was a really really great friend of mine growing up and him and i when we hit like middle school and high school kind of grew apart but uh you know i hope ryan never thought that i ever treated him him wrong or or like an asshole um because i was i was like really every single time just cuz him and i didn't hang out all the time it was like every time we saw each other we were friendly you know i remember the 5 year reunion him and i have a really great picture together where it was like holy shit man it's so good to see you yeah. and um you know that was uh that was the year before my mom had passed away 
And wow. my mom, yeah, my mom and his mom were, they were, they were tight. So my sister, Melissa and his sister, Jamie, they used to hang out and him and I would hang out. And then, you know, Margie, uh, Margie Donna and my mom, they would go, they would walk around like Montauk uh, Park, which is uh, like in, um, where is that? Like right towards Upper Dublin. Yeah, Maybe. like Fort Washington off of uh, Susquehanna. Yeah, I think it's like Maple Glen or whatever, but yeah, exactly. Great basketball courts. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, so they would they would like do their thing there. And um, and then, you know, I have great memories of of being with Ryan. And like that was the first time he was the first one to introduce me to Transformers. I didn't know what a Transformer was. And it's crazy because he had he had freaking tons of them. what a and, cool memory. Oh, dude, it was like Transformers. Um, what there was the movie, it was a Disney movie where with the space guy. Um shit. Real um, life. No, it was it god, it was like in nineties. It was something man and uh it wasn't Rocket Man. I can't remember it. Um but it was the, the, the Rocketeer. Car- Rocketeer, that's exactly what it was. I had that figure. Yeah, the first time I ever watched the movie was in his living room. You know what I mean? Wow. His his mom used to take us uh every single time that we would hang out, she would always take us to McDonald's. And I was like, like, it's like, oh, you're gonna go hang out with Ryan and Jamie. And I'm in the back of my head, I'm like, shit, McDonald's, let's go. But like at the same time, like Ryan and I, we shared so many things and um, like he introduced me to a lot of, a lot of stuff. And it was, it was a really cool memory. It was cool to have that experience with somebody um, who, even though we grew apart a little bit in middle school and high school, you know, we could always reconnect and, and just be like, Hey, you know, what's going on? How you doing? And, you know, I think him him and I like that, that's a point, like a point that I was trying to make right there is I feel like a ping pong ball, like bouncing back and forth um, because it never, it never really mattered who I was with. I could always hang out and just make things work with whoever it didn't matter. So. Well, it's funny. Cause I think of middle school and that's really one of the, one of the, the big themes of the show is I always felt like middle school was kind of that moment where the break happens because you're yeah. kind of friends with everyone in your elementary school or in your class, or at least everyone's forced to recognize you, right? You have to do birthdays and yeah. Valentine's day cars and all that shit. Yeah. And, and, and then you go to middle school where you're in pods and you get kind of broken up from people. And I was split up from my friends. I didn't have anyone in my class. Um, no one I really knew in my pod that I, that I fucked with like that. Um, so that was like a hard time for me, but I think that's a, that's the moment for a lot of people where you've got to reestablish yourself socially. But I will say that I find when talking to like kids that are in the cool kid crowd, which I would, I would put you in, you guys had a much bigger circle of friends from yeah. elementary school that at least you you were able to continue some normalcy going forward in a pod. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't disagree with that. Even if you didn't know it then or you weren't, you know what I mean? You weren't you yeah. weren't going to the cool parties or anything like that then, but but that group I guess the group really started to form in middle school and, and multiply out like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's interesting because um, I can't even remember anybody from Stony Creek in my in my sixth grade pod, and because like I mean, I know like right when I got into sixth grade, like it was like James Eckert was was in my class with Mrs. Gross, and mm-hmm. it was like James and James and I just kind of hit it off, and it was like all right, you know, like so now I got somebody, and then James's people, I guess. Uh, wherever he went, did he go to Bluebell? I can't remember where he went. No, Shady Grove because he lived right across the street. Yeah, we were. Yeah, it was with me and Shady Grove. Yeah. Okay. So like, I guess a bunch of Shady Grove people were in there. So it was almost like when when James accepted me, I was accepted into the Shady Grove crew group. You know, right? What I mean? That was Nelson. That was you know all those. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And uh. You know, it was it was just kind of it was weird. And then I think what really made things easier um was like sixth grade. You kind of establish 
you establish like some some friend groups you know what i mean and you're starting to like you know cross bound like not cross boundaries but but like uh starting to figure things out and then sports in seventh grade i think that was that was probably the biggest the biggest uh like thing because you know um, like I said, I, I played football. I sucked, dude. I'm not gonna lie to you. You know, I, yeah, I you said you were you were five. You're five. You said five seven, five six. Five, yeah, five yeah, seven. Five I seven. Would, I don't want to. I don't want to short you. No pun intended. Five yeah. seven. But then you. But so you're doing high. You're doing football in middle school. I can't imagine. And then you've got to be like five one. Dude, I was about four seven. Yeah, I didn't worry. I was gonna say four ten, but I didn't want to. I was. I was still under five feet tall. Um. I. But like you know, it didn't like for me. It was just about like being out on the field with the with, with the boys you know what I mean like I played North Penn Squires football for four years prior to that and it was I was actually I was actually a decent football player when I was younger because everybody was my size right it was when everybody started growing and I didn't grow that I started I started like becoming like f- afraid of contact because you know you got these big kids coming at you and here you are and it's like bam and that that shit hurts dude yeah you yeah. have pads on but that hurts so, but like, you know, being out on the football field and, and like hanging out with like the Ryan Parfits of the world who are like these big popular kids who are, who are playing football. Super and, athlete. Um, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, it was, it was really, it was, it was cool just to kind of be in there um, and, and kind of be in those groups. And even though I didn't play all that much or, you know, I, I still was, I still was in the in crowd, I guess mm-hmm. you could say. Because I was trying, I, I tried, like, it wasn't for lack of effort. It was really, you know, probably lack of ability more than anything, but also, you know, lack of height, lack of weight. But um, you're there grinding with them in practice and, you know what I mean? Like, you're you're yeah. doing all the hard work with them. Yeah, I mean, so, I mean, I guess uh, I do know that uh, Mr. Glacken, because um, we won, like, all those all those uh, middle school championships. I remember that I was the only one that wasn't, uh, that didn't get his name etched on the trophy, um, didn't recognize me, and I, t- I called him on it. I went back a couple of years, I think it was, like, probably 10 years ago that I was back there. I was still, I'm still not on that trophy, but. No you know, way. Yeah, you win some, you lose some. I was, I was, I was bitter about it in, in, in middle school, and I was like, you know, you forgot to put my name on it. And he was like, oh, hey, we'll get it all fixed up. Yeah, it's, he's just sitting there like, get away from me, kid. You know? I would so, never yeah, let that go. Yeah, I mean, it is what it is, man. I, I, I know I was there. I, I got, I have yearbooks to prove it, to document me on the football team. So at least my kids can't question me. <laughs> for me. Now, when I, uh, when I talked to Chrissy Krause, she had told some stories uh, about the country club, which is like the first, first time really like anyone's truly talked about like country club. And I was like, whoa, wait, country club? What is yeah. this about the country club? And like, you know, full disclosure, people who listen to the show were like country club. Holy shit. Like the country club seems is so outside of many people's, yeah. you know, view. What was, tell me about your country club experience. Bring much like the basement parties. Yeah. The country club. I also know nothing about bring me in. All right. So I guess if I'm going to talk about the country club, I need to start here. Um, in front of Wissahickon, right before you, uh, you you know, if you're coming down Penland Bluebell Pike and you make a right onto, what's that road? Is that, that not, that's not Houston Road, right? Is Dagger? It? Dagger, yep. So when you're coming down Penland Bluebell Pike, if you look on the right-hand side, there's a, there's a huge, there's a big sign. It's called Meadow Farm. All right. In the back is, is three humongous mansions. And so my grandfather, and I want everybody to know, I'm going to preface this right now that I did not grow up rich. Okay. I can, I promise you my grandfather, however, was a self-made millionaire and he, um, so he had this, 
he had a um, a, a construction business and um, you know residential home business. So basically, he was just a realtor, and he was just he 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 put two hundred thousand dollars of his own money into his business. He grew it on his on his own, and it, it became a very big you know a, a very a, 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 I don't want to say an empire, but I mean he was he was recognized. Sure. Um, so he built these mansions on the back. It's called Meadow Farm. If you pass it, you would know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, because there's like there's a little like it's almost like a little cabin that's in the front. It's right off the trail. The trail that they made yeah. um, goes down. So like you you pass it, you run right by it. Um, but you know, so um, you, my my grandparents moved in there. And it was like, we were, I, I, I was blessed as a kid growing up and being able to go and to be able to, you know, go to the swimming pool, play tennis on their tennis courts, fish in their pond. I mean, they had a huge property. Um, and then they had, they, they subletted it out to other people and he made a ton of money off of them for when he did that. So that, um, uh, so manufacturers, you know, manufacturers was, uh, uh, at the time, I hated it. I hated having that stigma on my back. I hated going, I hated swimming and I swam in high school. You know what I mean? Like it was one of those things where it's, I just hated it. it like golf, golf is a different story. I love golf. I still golf to this day. Um, and then there's tennis. My parents, they were like, mm, you can play tennis if you want. You don't have to. Um, I wish I kept playing tennis because tennis is actually, actually a really fun sport. Yeah. But um, so the country club, like, you know, we, we, I was not country club material, Brad. I can tell you that right now. Um, uh, the probably when I was nine or 10 years old, no, nah, maybe a little later than that, like 11 or 12, uh, Craig McDonald, who was a year younger than us, he was also manu- manufacturers. Yeah, I remember Crow. Yeah, Crow, Crowbird. We decided to go in the women's locker room with um, and uh, Patrick Bello, who went to LaSalle and a couple. There was a couple other people who who you probably would never you wouldn't even know. But, um, you know, we went in the women's locker room. We had shaving cream. We had we like the whole deal, man. And we just ruined it. And like everybody was at like a Christmas party or they were doing they were all busy. So nobody was here. So we think we get out scot free. And we're all mm. we're all like, yo, yeah, nice job, everybody. You know, that was awesome. Next thing you know, they check the cameras. They see exactly who it was. Um, and it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, we're in a country club. They yeah. have surveillance, you know, surveillance. So, yeah, that was um, that was a, a tough conversation to have with my grandparents and my father. <laughs> they were not. Pretty shame to the family. Happy. Oh, my gosh. My grandmother. How can my sweet grandson? Da, 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 like, you're supposed to play the member guest. And now the women don't want to be around you. And it's just like, oh, God. Like, I'm so did a- you get kicked out? I'm a, no, I'm a 12 year old kid. No, we had to, it like goes back to logical consequences. I ruined it. They give us uh like the, the, you know, all the cleaning supplies. Go clean, clean it. it. Yeah. Go clean oh, it. Oh man. Up. Like in a walk to remember with Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Shane West. Yeah. So, you know, like that's, that's part of who I was at the country club. You know what I mean? I was, I, I when was, you, said not, you didn't, you weren't like, you didn't feel comfortable or you didn't, or you hated it. What is that? I can assume what that means, but what did that, what does that mean to you? Like, I, I just, you know, being a country club person, like it, it gives you the inclination, like other people, the perception that you have, you have all this money. Like little do they know, like I'm growing up, like there's the hamburger helper mint, the little guy with the nose that like giggles. And I can't even eat hamburger helper because my mom used to get like five pounds of, of red meat and she would just get five different boxes of flavors. And that was dinner all week. You know yeah. what I mean? She would just cook it up different ones. I um, mean, my sister will tell you the same thing. Like it was 
it was a struggle, man. And you know, my dad, uh, my dad finally left like real estate and he, he started, um, he started his own business and that's when he started, you know, getting, we started like, you know, becoming more comfortable, mm. but like that country club stigma when you're, it's almost like a false, like a, like a false front. You know what I mean? You, you go home and you're eating, you're eating, uh, you know, hamburger helper and you're, you're living on peanut butter and jellies and like dry cereal in the morning. And you don't have money to go down to Clover to buy like a pair of jeans or Coles right. or whatever it was at that point. And it's like, but, oh, but you're at a country club. So, you know what I mean? Like it, it always, I always That's felt interesting. like, yeah, that was kind of, kind of a stigma. So, you know, I rebelled, man. I was not a, I wasn't the greatest kid. Um, but again, um, it, you know, I made a lot of, I forged a lot of friendships, uh, within, within the country club and, you know, Chrissy being one of them, um, Chris T now, I apologize. You know, I no, no, we 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 came to an agreement uh when we did the show. She can be Chrissy on this show. Okay, good. Um, I don't know if only I can call her that. I I yeah, you know, in my in my head it is, but I'll allow you to call her that as well. Well, I appreciate that. And uh hopefully she'll she'll uh she'll agree. But like Will McBrien, like you know, I'll mm-hmm. never forget the first time I swam in that pool, like he was so mad at me because I was so bad at swimming. He was behind me, like crying, like get out of my way. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, lollygagging, like, I hate this shit. You know what I mean? Um, but like the golf, the golf course. That, that, that's some of my best memories. I made some of my best friendships on that golf course. Um, I have not played that golf course for 20 years. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that I miss most about it. Uh, you know, being out there with, with a couple of my, my old friends and just, and, you know, hanging out, like it's, it's, it, it is kind of like a fraternity almost where, you know, you have those, you have those relationships and, um, you only get to see them in the summertime. So it's like, it's almost like a summer camp, you know? Um, So, and that was always cool. And like, I think like Chrissy and I, and like Will, you know, we, we were friendly in, in middle school, but like in the summertime, it was like, that's who you hung out with. And it would be like, you hang out with them at the, when they're, when you're, you know, at, at manufacturers. Mm. Um, and then when you're, when you're not around them, it's like, you know, it is what it is. It's, it's a really weird scene. Dude. Yeah, I was going to ask, did you think so? Like in my head, when you, when you lay that out, that's like the classic movie scene uh, but it's usually, so it's not usually where like everyone, everyone's in like kind of the same, I would look at you guys as all kind of in the same, you know, friend group, the larger friend group, even right. if you guys weren't all personally hanging out in, in school together. Um, but when you describe that scene, it's usually like the nerd who hangs out all summer long with the cool yeah. kid and then they get back to school and the cool kid wants nothing to do with the nerd. And the nerd's like, I don't get it. We hung out all summer long. What so for you, even if it wasn't like a, a nerd cool kid thing, you guys were all kind of, you know, social peers. Were you ever like wanting to continue that relationship going back to school and like kind of realizing like I mean, you did realize it, but were you ever kind of like taken aback, like, oh, what's going on here? No, I don't think it was ever like that. I mean, you know, there were definitely um it's it's definitely like, you know you see, you see him in the hallway and you just, you say hi. And if you, if, if they like, you know, if, if I said hi to Christy and she ignored me, then yeah, I would definitely, I would be slighted by that. Like, dude, like we just hung out all summer and now, now I don't exist, but I, I do feel like, you know, you get like, in order to be in a country club, like what, there's a couple of things that kind of come with that. Like you have to be respectful and you have to have manners. And clearly I was none of that in the beginning. I, I kind of, I figured it out towards the end. Um, 
But, you know, I think it, it goes back to that respect factor. You know what I mean? Like, I, I can't imagine walking down the hallway, someone saying hi to me and me ignoring them because I'm trying to big time them because I got friends over here. Right. And I think that, you know, Chrissy and Will and Craig and some of the other people that we that, that were in that club, um, I think that they would all probably tell you the same thing. Like, it was it wasn't like I was sitting there calling Chrissy or Will or uh, anybody like, you know, uh, like at night, like I still had my own friend group and, you know, right. things like that. Cause you know, the phone was a popular thing back when we were younger, um, landlines, obviously. Mm -hmm. but, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it was just, like I said, it was a really weird dynamic. Um, it's not, it, it's definitely a part of my life that, that I'm appreciative of, but I, I think at the time I, uh, I probably, I probably didn't see it that way. And it was, I was more worried about that stigma, you know, Oh, you're a rich kid. I didn't want that. I, I, you know, I wanted to hang out with, with the kids in Ambler, you know, like yeah. the, um, uh, the Nelsons and the Malhorns and, and all those guys who, who kind of like, were, were always right there. And I didn't want to be known as that country club kid. And, yeah. you know, so it was one of those things that I didn't really announce all that much. And it wasn't like, Oh, you know, I go to manufacturers in the summer, you know what I mean? But yeah, I didn't know. I, I mean, I didn't know, even know about manufacturers. Like I'd never heard of it before. I'd never, I don't really, my experience again, goes to tv everything does but like my experience with like country clubs is like when brandon walsh was working at the country club in this you know the summer season of, of 90210 like yeah. <laughs> that was that's like what i know and when zach zach and the crew were working at exactly. the at the malibu sands you oh, know malibu with stacy carosi and like that's what that's right. what i relate but you know similarly similarly my grandfather self-made man um did very well for himself with his own business and our lives were very very different like at home growing up in south ambler yeah. um versus like when we would go to my grand you know go out to dinner my grandfather liked to go out to dinner all the time so like every month we would go out to dinner with my grandfather my grandfather would hand us you know hand me a little cash and yeah. and and you know he had a he had a condo in stone harbor so we, we would go awesome. down there and then even when i got older you know as a teen and i had I had family friends who had a had a house in Ocean City, and so I would go to the I would go and stay at the beach every summer. But again, I'm staying there. It wasn't my house. Yep. Um, I was allowed to treat it like my house, but it wasn't mine. Um, even to 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 you know, recently, I had someone reach out to me just in conversation about you know some of the things early in the podcast that were being discussed, and and um, I think it was Kim Kim Devaney's podcast where she was just talking about like how she grew up and and some of the things that made her uncomfortable as far as like class and 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 wealth and all those things. And someone reached out and was like, you know, what about, you You know, you, you talk about all the stuff with like poor people versus rich people, but what about you going to the beach house and all that stuff? And automatically I was like, my defense went up. Cause I'm like, Whoa, that's not my house. Like I have no claim to that. I, I, just, I was allowed to stay there, but yeah. like, and instead I'm like, don't classify me as like someone like that. Like I, you know, this is how I grew up. It's funny how that is like a, you know, having money or whatever, like maybe it's, if you don't have it, you don't want to be, you don't want someone to think of you as that versus like, I'm ashamed to say I have my, no, it's just like, I'm, I'm a guest and it, it's, yeah. you know, you know, hip hop, I can't front, right. I don't, I don't want to be out here front and this is not my shit. I'm a guest here. I'm being, being allowed to bring here, but like right. nine and a half times out of 10, you are not going to see me dress like this, hanging out here, doing these things, you know? 
Yeah. And, and like, to speak to your point, like, I mean, that, that's the stigma that I'm talking about. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm blessed now. Like my, my dad has a house in Stone Harbor. I grew up in Stone Harbor, you know, so I'm very familiar with that. Um, my wife's family, they have a house in LBI. So like my kids are blessed. They get to go to the beach for their, for their summertime. When you were, um, when you were like in middle school, going into the high school area, that's kind of like the time where I was really like, I felt like, you know, girls, sex, you know, parties, the real like kind of social world that we kind of grew up in as teenagers really started like infiltrating, started like becoming, started becoming like making itself aware, I guess. I wasn't doing it. Um, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't dating. I wasn't, I didn't hang out with girls. It wasn't. Was I, brother. Okay. <laughs> but you were hanging out with friends that had girlfriends oh. that were partying that were like your group, like that group was forming, right? Where it's like, okay. okay you know, or spinning the bottle or whatever, going to the basement party. Like you were in that crew, right? Yeah. I I mean, I think the biggest thing about me, man, was I was such a late bloomer. Like, I mean, I, I don't, honestly, I don't even know if I hit puberty before I was 17. Like, I mean, that's, and that's a lot. <laughs> Full disclosure, I should say. Sure. Yeah. I got, um, I got like, a flash there. <laughs> and I, you know, it's just like, it's one of those things where like, you want to be, you want to be in the in crowd. You want to like hang out with them. And here I got like talking about like, you know, the old fashions that he's getting in the hot tub from people. And I'm like, Oh, God bless you, man. Like, I, like, and like, how do you like, do that? I'm, exactly. Like a student, like, so what did you say? Did you, so like, what did you do? Was there, did you, was there like a secret handshake or what? You know what I mean? Um, and like, for me, like, it was just like, I would just use like my, my, my deficiencies maybe like to my advantage and just be like, yeah, it's cool. You know, I don't, you know, I'm just not there yet. Um, but like everybody around me, all my friends, you know, they started, they were hooking up, they were having fun. Um, and for me, I didn't drink all that much in high school. And it was like, it was more for me, like I was more of the driver. It was just an interesting dynamic, like to have people in the back, like full out makeout sessions, like behind me and I'm driving them around and I'm like, shit, like I wonder, that's, that seems cool. Like, I wonder what that's all about. I mean, my first kiss was Melissa Morgantan at seventh grade. So that's, and I remember that. Yeah. But that's, that's that time. That's exactly, but that is exactly like, you know what I mean? Like, so like you gotta, this is a horrible, you got a little taste of it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I guess, I don't know. Do you feel like that happens? Like where you kiss Melissa Morgan tan it, but then nothing else happens. Do you feel like that's just kind of like, well, give it here. Let's just like, let's give him a gimme. Let's, let's like get in, like get him in the, get him in the game or whatever. And then you just don't have I could say with certainty that that wasn't it because it was, it was seventh grade. It was, uh, we were in, we were in school and I had to meet her in the girl's bathroom. So she wanted to kiss me. Uh, like, that's what I, I, I hope so. <laughs> they want, yeah, they want you in. This is what we do. You're up. You, I want you to be the guy. Exactly. And it was like, you know, it's one of those things where I was, I was petrified. Yeah. You weren't ready. Like, walking into the, walking into the girl's bathroom. Number one, I'm like, shit, if I see, if people see me, I'm in trouble. I would never do I, that. I know. And then you walk in and it's like, okay. And then she's just sitting there and it's like, Hey, how you do? And then, bam, you know, thank God she made the first move because there was no way in hell I would probably walk out of there screaming. And I'll tell you that it was really hard for me to initiate. Um, even in high school, like as we got like to the later years, you know? Um, and honestly, like back then, like sixth, seventh grade, if you check the yearbooks, I had a wave. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what I was doing with my hair. I had none. 
And it wasn't until Malhorn and Nelson sat me down in, the, in Nelson's backyard. And um, they were like, we're going to shave your head. And I was like, all right, like a forklift. And then it was, I'll never forget it. It was like 80 degrees outside and they put the clippers to my head and it's like really hot. And I'm like, what the hell? Why is that so hot? And Malhorn just starts dying laughing. And I'm like, all down. What did you do? And then I looked in the mirror and I just had one one strip down my head that was complete no clip. But you know what? I haven't this changed I have not changed that hairstyle since. And it, it's uh, you know, I have them to thank for uh, you know, for some of the gooder times the better times that I've had in my in my life. But yeah, it, and it, as it, you get older, dude, that's gonna work out. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I, you, can see, you can see it's starting to go, it's starting to go, but hey, then dude, mine is not mine doesn't even hang out uh, down there. <laughs> shit. Yeah, that's a good one. But um, <laughs> like I said, man, and then yeah, I'll just start shaving, shaving my head. I mean, the perf- the good thing is I have, I do have a round head. I have a, I have a pretty, pretty good head for yeah. a bald, for you know, a bald head. So I can make it work. Um, but like, it's just, it's funny. Like, you know, you you learn a lot about yourself as you, <laughs> as you like get older. And I thought the weight was the coolest thing. You know, I'm like, I'm putting product in my hair, and I'm like, yeah, I look good. And everybody's making fun of me, everybody. And I had no idea like, Oh man, as soon. And you know how I figured it out was once I shaved my head, people were like, damn dude, that, that looks so much better. And I'm like, what do you mean? And they're like, like so much better. And they weren't like, it wasn't like, you know, Oh yeah, that's a, that's a good change for you. It was damn. Like it was pretty much like, dude, you look like the biggest douchebag before. Now you actually that, you know, I can look at you. So that's so funny. I I historically, I never, I never never get haircuts. I, it takes me six to six to nine months to go get a haircut every single time. Right. I just let it grow. It gets curly, whatever happens, happens, wherever it doesn't come in, it doesn't come in. So I used to, when I worked at WWE, that's how I rolled also. Yeah. Right? So like, but like everyone there is very clean cut, but I don't know. I'm just like, I've always been so blind to my own, you know, to my own looks up until recently. I was just kind of like, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing me. I just, whatever. Yeah. And if you look at my old, if you look at my old pictures, like my hair, I rarely even comb my hair back in high school and middle school, like just whatever, you know, I didn't even wake up early enough to do any type of style. When I was at WWE, I remember like my hair was just growing and growing and I finally got a cut. And that's when I finally started like, I started like getting it cut shorter and like combing it down and all that. And all the girls, all the divas, as they were called back then, yep. in WWE were like that Kelly Kelly, like, oh, that looks good. And Layla and, and Eve like- Torres. And they're all like, oh, you look good. You look good. And someone was, I think it was, uh, I think it was Layla. She pulled me to the side. She goes, she goes, that looks so much better. And I'm just thinking like, fuck out of here. I know I look good last week. And then I'm thinking, like, oh, did everyone <laughs> yeah. saying something? Maybe I didn't. <laughs> Shit, man. The fact that you actually got to, to like, even like, like talk to those women is, is just, that's, that's awesome, man. That's shit. Bad dude. If, if, you know, it's, uh, it's funny. If I feel like at times it fucks me up for life because I'm so unfazed at times by, you know, by it's like a, you have to put a, you have to put a filter in because you go from watching these girls on TV and be like, Oh, she's so fun. Which one do you, I like her. She's so hot to, Oh, now you have to write TV for these girls and they're, they're looking to influence you because there's only so much time available. To get that airtime. We're trying to get there. So the more friendlier, the, the happier the, they are to see you, you know, the, the more they're hoping that you get in there, that they put you in there. 
Yeah. So it's like, it's hugs. Every time you cut, every girl wants to hug you. Hello. And so my brain, like, but, it, and they make it, you can't date. Hey, you're, you're, you're gone. Don't worry. You'll be on raw 15 minutes. Yeah. Tomorrow. I <laughs> well, I got, we're going to put the title on you. Yeah, exactly. Come and give me a hug, girl. <laughs> and so they're like, and so like, you can't date the girl, you know what I mean? Don't do anything funky with them. So it's like in my head, I'm like, okay, that could get me fired. So yeah. I just put up like a complete, so I just had this ability to like, if I don't want to care, with really pretty girls. Whereas I think prior to that, I used to be just like, Oh my God. Like, you, you know, you see me on the podcast, right? All the crushes and everything. Just like, I, I was, I would just fall Absolutely. so hard and like, whatever, you know, whatever. And I, I was able to, that taught me how to put up like a, a, a shield a little yeah. bit to make myself oblivious. But I kind of hate that that's a thing now because so many times when you meet a girl and you just like, before you, before you fall like for a girl, because of how she, like you talked about when you, when you saw Jackie, right, yeah. it's at Bloomsburg, right? Now it's like my brain goes to some what what's her what does she want? What could she, you know, what could she possibly want to yeah. take for but don't don't oh, don't lift that wall up just yet. Yeah, I mean, and you know what's funny, dude, is is like I like even like there was there was something about like I don't want to say there was something about me, like, but whenever like I would have a girlfriend, you know what I mean? Like even in high school or even in college. Um, like I just knew that like, it was gonna, it was either going to end like terribly or it was just going to end. Um, and it was funny. Like, so with Jackie, like the first time we initiated contact, I was bartending at Reed's and she had like introduced me to her, her football player boyfriend. And it was like one of those things where I'm like, I'm like, Oh, Hey, what's up, dude? Like, I don't even think I was bartending at the time. I think I was just there. And and he's like, Hey, what's going on, man? And like, he's probably thinking in the back of her, of his head, like she's got a crush on him. Like he was such a jealous dude. But I was like, you know, I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? Like, let me buy you guys a drink. Da, 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 da. Did that whole thing. And then, is that me? That's you. I don't know. How the hell did that happen? Okay. Um, somebody FaceTime me. Sorry, Jackie's no, computer good. just hooks up, to my, hooks up to my phone now. That's scary. Um, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Shit. Jackie, if you're out. watching us, hi. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? She's getting, her hair, she's getting her hair done right now. But, um, yeah, she was uh, like... So like, it was the first time I was at Reed's and she goes, you go to Bloomsburg, don't you? And I said, yeah. And she goes, oh, you know, I, I know you. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, hmm, she knows me. I was like, I know her. I didn't know her name. I, so I knew who she was. I just didn't know her name. And the reason why I bring that up is because the first five or six times that I, that we would go, we went to this bar called Hester's. Um, and Hess's was like the spot to be from like 1230 to 2 a.m. Uh, um, at Bloomsburg. And everybody would go to Hess's and you would and you would just dance and you would hook up and you know you'd find you know you'd find if you're like if you're for a girlfriend yeah pretty much exactly that's actually a really good really good um, uh, comparison but like so Jackie and I would just dance and I told you I don't dance like okay. I am the epitome of white when it comes to that but for whatever reason she kept wanting to dance for me um, so every so this was probably like three weekends in a row three Saturdays in a row and they always ended on twist key sweat twisted. And, you know, Key Sweat Twisted, it's a great song. It's like a makeout song. And I never had, again, never had the balls to make a move. And every single time, so the first time that we had hooked up, you know, she was still with her boyfriend. And she goes, oh, yeah. And then she, like, said, okay, call me. And I said, I don't have your number. She was like, yeah, you do. And I said, wait, what's your name again? And she goes, excuse me? Turn around, walked out. So fast forward to the next week. We're sitting there, we're dancing again. She goes, do you know my name? I said, I have no idea your name. You have to put your name in my phone. I don't know. So long story short is I had tried to figure out her name for at least like a couple of weeks and I just couldn't figure it out. Um, And then finally she put her number in my phone 
And that's how I, and she's beautiful. You don't forget names like that right. for whatever. She thought that I was fucking with her. She literally thought that that was my game. And I said, if that was my game, that's what it should have been my entire life. Because, like you're doing the dentist, the dentist method. You gotta, you gotta break them down first. <laughs> like Jackie, I apologize. Cause you, if you ever thought that I was not being truthful, I literally forgot your name and that's, but I love you. So there's that. It worked out. Yeah. So it's uh it's funny, man. Like how, <laughs> like I said, it's funny. yeah. So when you, um, when you got to high school, friends all still saying the same, same, same group, like no change pretty much. So it, it was interesting because, um, you couldn't play lacrosse in, uh, uh, in middle school back in back then. Okay. Um, lacrosse was a big part of my life. My dad, my dad had, uh, had gone to Ashland university. Um, and Ashland university is, um, it's right outside of Ohio state. It's in, it's like right outside of Columbus, Ohio. Okay. My mom, uh, grew up in Ohio and, uh, went to Ohio state. So my dad was a bartender at TJ Fridays and my, it's really, their, their, their love story is very similar to similar, mine. Similar, yeah. Actually, um, you, you didn't know, know her name. And- well, no, my dad, it was quite opposite. My dad knew everything about my mom. And my mom loved Johnny Walker Blue. And Johnny Walker Blue is not the most, it's not the cheapest drink. So my dad would, he would just, he would give her shots of Johnny Walker Blue. And, you know, my mom, she was, she was a very, very beautiful woman. She was homecoming queen in, uh, in, in um, high school. Um, and you know, my dad was, he was very much, very much, uh, in love very quickly. And, uh, when they got married, you know, my dad was going, he was, he went to graduate school at Ohio state. So like my dad played lacrosse at, at Ashland and my dad was very, very good. And, you know, the old, the old adage with the grandfather, you know, I, when I was your age, I used to walk six miles in the snow to get to school uphill barefoot. Yep. That was my dad. Um, when I was your age, I was playing lacrosse with two broken thumbs, the broken collarbone and blah, 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 blah. So it probably my, was health, you know, concussions, all that shit. Yeah. My dad and Mr. Lomedy, um, they started, Whoa. yeah, they started a, uh, cause they went to high school together. My dad, my uncle, Mr. Lomedy, they went to Abington together. Get so, out. Yeah. They started, uh, what was called crooked cross lacrosse league, which was Wissahickon and upper Dublin. So Wissahickon and Upper Dublin kids were able, because we were the only two districts that didn't have a program from, you know, after sixth grade or seventh grade. Um, so they had started this with this other guy and, uh, you know, it, it gave, it gave us an outlet. It gave us a chance. So like, that's where I met Malhorn. That's where I met, you know, some of the other, some of the other guys who were really into lacrosse, like Doug King and James Eckert and McQuaid and, you know, all these, all these guys, like it, it was, it was really one of those things that I am so thankful that in seventh and eighth grade, we had crooked cross because if we didn't have crooked cross lacrosse, who knows? I, I, you know, I was, I was not the best lacrosse player, but it was a passion. It was my, it was one of my favorite things. Like I said, it goes back to the football thing. You're sitting there and I'm an attackman. I'm five, six. I got these guys who are like six foot four that are just enormous. And their, their job is to take this big ass stick and to whack me in my hands and my, like, I'm not about that, but you know, it, it, it turned out to, to be a lot of fun. And uh, you know, my dad, my dad got um, Malhorn and myself on the same team. And, uh, you know, that's kind of how I developed the relationship with, uh, with Eric Malhorn and, you know, Malhorn brought me into a whole new group of friends that, you know, I didn't even, I didn't even know about, you know, like in school. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Nelson was popular kid in school. Yeah. Nelson and Blackie and, and, you know, all, all those guys. And it was just, it was a lot of, 
it was it was just a lot of fun, man. It was a good ride. Malhorn and I, like, we connected from the jump. And it was weird because the first time that I had had him over, we're, like, playing, like, Sega Genesis or something. And I'm like, oh, what game do you want to play? And he's like, I don't give a fuck, dude. He's like, you know, never. I don't play video like, games, dude. I'm Eric Malhorn. <laughs> I was like, well, I don't give a fuck either. I mean, is this even what you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? And it was like, uh, you know, one of those things where, but, like, him and I, like, we connected. and. Um, uh, you know, it was, it was just a really cool thing. So going into high school, I had all those relationships plus the Stony Creek relationships mm-hmm. plus the outside relationships. So I was in a pretty comfortable spot with, um, in regards to like, just like friends, friends. but you know, I, I think like the best part of my high school career was probably like 10th or 11th grade when K-Rod and Bill and, um, and Evan, when they came into the fold, you know what I mean? Like that was so much cooler because it was like two groups that were, that were like, they were like out here, but then they kind of like intertwined and it was really freaking cool because Bill Richardson to this day is still one of the most funny, one of the funniest guys I know. Um, Hilarious. uh, K-Rod, you know, he was, he lived in my neighborhood and it was like one of those things where him and I would be friendly, but it was never like, you know, and then when he started dating Natalie Cooner, that's when everything kind of like, when everything started. I was going to say what, what, what changes the group that all of a sudden these three people who we've been in school with this whole time, all of a sudden get introduced. And that's kind of where everybody started kind of getting, getting intertwined. And then like Evan, like Evan, you know, he just, he had the most infectious personality. And Evan was a guy that like growing up WRA basketball, like, you know, you, you look at Evan and, and he's just this big dude. And, you know, it's just like he had, and he just like Evan hated basketball. I don't know how many people know that. Like he just, he played because he was tall. He, he did not like it. He couldn't jump more than six inches off. Right. The right. I didn't want to say, I've, I remember going to see him at the games and he was off the bench. And I remember thinking like, why isn't this guy like the starter? He never seemed to be like the big basketball guy. As far as, you know, as, as far as I know, it was not his favorite thing to do. Um, he did it because he was big. He did it because coaches expected it of him, I think, more so. But, you know, Evan's, Evan's passion was and always will be music. To kind of see, like, where Evan was and to see, like, where, like, right before he passed away, to see, like, how his music grew. Like, I, I'll tell you what, man. After Evan passed away, I went on a huge E-dub kick. And it was every single day to the point where my wife was like, I, I can't listen to him anymore. And I'm like, I just, it reminds me like he's still here, you know, you hear his voice and um, you know, my kids, my kids adore his music. And, you know, like as, as a, as a white person who, you know, who doesn't want to put like my hip hop on for my, for my eight and like, you know what I mean? Like, I want to make sure that I don't care if they hear an F bomb here. I don't care if they, you know, it was, it was really like, and it was good music. And it was something that where I was like, okay, I can listen to hip hop. My kids can hear this too, because they hear me cursing up a storm anyway. Sure. Nothing Um, they're going to go out and, and, and recite and you go, fuck, we got to turn. Yeah. I get you a hundred percent. Exactly. It just like it blows my mind to this day that he's not around. And, you know, as somebody who who is is not I, I wouldn't say I'm staunchly religious, um, but I, I believe in a higher power. And I know that um, Evan didn't always feel the same way. Um, it's it's just funny because like every single time that like something big's about to happen, like, I mean, I think about like the Eagles, like before the Super Bowl. So I was at the NFC championship game against Minnesota and um, the this was like. 
uh, Evan passed away uh, February 13th. So it was almost a year. It was almost a year to the day. It was in January of um, uh, 2018. So it was almost a year to the day of his of his passing. And I just I was like, like I'm at my, with my father in law and the Eagles go down seven nothing. And I just look up and I didn't even know. Like I said to my I was like, Mom, I was like, I need you right now. And I was like, E dub, I know you're up there. I know you're watching. Brad, I shit you not. Not even 30 seconds later, Peterson hit the inter- got the interception and ran it back for a touchdown. Wow. And next thing you know, it's seven, seven changed the entire complexion of the game. Wow. So like, it's little things like that. Like um, even with my mom, like having like seeing a ladybug or a Cardinal outside, um, you know, those are the things that were important to her or hearing Jimmy Buffett come Monday or um, you know, any song that my mom loved uh, you know, it, it's just these little signs that, that like, it makes me, it, it makes me happy to not only like, that it brings brings them back into the forefront of my memory, but also that I had relationship, especially with Evan, man. Like I said, like such an infectious guy. You you walk down the hallway and you just you hear his high pitched laugh, and it's just like I wonder what he's laughing about. And I guarantee you that if you if he laughed about nothing, it was the most random shit. You could make Evan laugh like belly laugh, no problem. You know what I mean? Yeah. And he was my first. Uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously we just lost DMX and DMX was a huge, huge part of, of, of like eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade, like DMX was just, he was all over the place. So Evan was the one who introduced me to drag on <clears throat> and, uh, and, and drag on obviously like he was just one of my favorite, like one of my favorite rappers in really like, oh, great. Yeah. So like, I'll never forget, uh, riding around in Evan's big electric blue car and his Explorer and who we got yeah look at that look at those ears look at that kid man oh my gosh that's so funny what's uh card card collecting and uh video games architecture and nba player see you want to be a player (laughs) you know indian in the cupboard was his favorite book great movie jurassic park favorite movie great series floor hockey floor hockey favorite memory that's How good funny. is that? Yeah, man. Um, but like the funny part about Evan's car was Evan was so big that he had to remove the back seat. Like you couldn't. There were only oh. two. Only two people could be in that car, yeah. and he replaced that back seat with a freaking like huge amp and subwoofer. Yes. And, yo, we would knock freaking drag on going up and down like Meeting House Road on our way to Umma's or on our way to wherever we were going. Gonna kick and, this like, shit from my bitches and all my hoes. Dude, it, it was those those are the memories. And it was funny because like, you know, as the as the shortest person, I was never it was never I could never ride with Evan. And that was one of the things that pissed me off. Dude, you twins ish. Yeah, but no, but there was there was so many there were many times where Evan would be like, yo, get my car. Like uh shotgun Evan's car. You know what I mean? And I would hop in because like he had like his other he had his other, I don't want to say his other friend group because we were all we were all cool. But I mean, it was like the K rods and the uh, and the bills and the people that he had more of a relationship with, uh, even like the Mossies and you know mm. those individuals. And it was like, all right, every whenever I whenever I got to ride in Evan's car, even in high school, I did feel like a big deal. And Evan always had that ability to make you feel like like a big deal, like you mattered. You know what I mean? Because he was so freaking down to earth and such a just just always a genuine dude, like. There was not a hateful bone in that guy's body. 
And um, and that's why I, I felt like it was such a tragic loss when we lost him, man. Alma texted me, and when he said that to me, um, it really it hit me it hit me in a different way. It really did. And, um, you know, I remember talking to Nelson about it and uh, telling Nelson, like, you know, he was kind of the glue at that point. Nelson was like with mm. uh, with all of our with all of our group. And uh, I just remember like kind of telling him, like, man, like, I feel bad. I wasn't around. I didn't you know, I didn't, I didn't check up on him. I didn't I didn't do this. I didn't do that. And even though it was out of my control, like Nelson had put it put it in like great words, like dude, he loved you. You know he loved you. And whenever you guys saw each other, like every single Christmas day night, when we either opened up reeds or we went down to the Whipping Tavern or wherever, you know, Evan would always come in. And the first thing that I would do is try to do like a body, like like jumping off the bar and like a cross body splash, and Evan would catch me. And that was the that was the best part about being the little guy, because Evan, we wouldn't be paying attention. He would just catch me. And it's yeah. just like, all right. And then it's like, you know, like, like pushing, like pressing me like ultimate warrior. And it was yeah. one of those things, man. Those are, those are some great memories and those are memories that I cherish. And, you know, it's, it just sucks to, to not have him around and not have, cause dude, his, I don't know if you, have you listened to his music? Yeah, I was actually uh, like really, so um, when he started coming out, you know, and I did some rapping for my own, like in college and, and a little bit after, and like, I was really into just like rhyming for my friend and for yeah. shits and giggles. And, um, and then when I saw that he was rapping, not only was he rapping, but then he was putting out music videos and I did video. Yeah. So I was like, boy, I rap and I shoot and I can shoot video. Like, and he really like raised the bar of like, oh man. If I wanted to like do it, like that's what I should be doing. And I was just like, you know, when you look at something from someone and it's like similar to shit that you do, you want to, you want to kill it. Like, Oh, I I can do better than this. I look, when I watch those videos, I would watch them on loop dude. And I would just like go through it. I was like, fuck, this is so good. And then he was doing it every Friday. And I was like, Fridays. Yeah, man. They were on your beats. He did all he did all that. Right. And and that's the thing. So I was like on you know, I was on free loops, and so I I can make beats, but like I was not good enough to do it at to make that many good beats. Right. And he was like he was fully functional of like a of a hip hop artist. And I was like, I was envious. I was like hopeful that at some point I could catch him in at the right time, right vibe, and be like, dude, you know, I spit. Can I you want to like just do just like let me let me do a song with you? Let's just put it on Facebook. Like I would have loved to have done that. I was blessed that uh, I was able to actually to to write something because as as a creative writing major and someone who 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 is a writer um, and uh, you know I was able to to put together like a poem that uh, that K Rod wrote uh, read at the funeral and it was like you know right That's after dope. the eulogy so it was really cool just kind of put everything together. Um, I have social anxiety so I can't go to I can't get up in front of a crowd. Um, especially adults, like with kids, I'm a teacher. So I have no problem doing it with, with that, with them. Mm-hmm. I have no problem doing it with you, but it's like, when it comes to like adults, like I get really, really nervous and, uh, you know, it's, it's just a weird thing. Um, but I was really, really happy. And I know his mom and his sisters, you know, they reached out and it was, it was, um, just an honor to be able to kind of like honor him with a little bit of words that I, that I could come up with. So it was, uh, you know, it was a shitty day, but, um, yeah, you know, we'll, you got, you got the memories and, uh, yeah, exactly. Keep holding it high, you know, and the music, man, the music that it's, it's a great it, thing. Music lasts forever. You know, as we're doing with DMX, you know, yeah. and listen to DMX, like I've been listening to DMX, you know, nonstop Not for the past, nonstop. for the past week, everything. And I, you know, 
to have a to have a friend to have that to to be able to leave that with you to to take with you um that's pretty awesome you know i with me for, for a lot of you know with dmx and, and other artists a lot of that is like my relationship with ray and and are the memories that we have and ray was a, the guy to put me on the dmx we used to sit in his room all day all day on the weekends all day long just listening to dmx and i was the jiggy guy i was let's put on mace let's put on feel so good like i want to hear i want to hear jealous guys and he was like no we gotta listen to, we gotta listen to stop being greedy and we would just yeah. listen to the Ayo dog a dog and like it would just brainwash no, there there's so many memories that are attributed to music you know what i mean you hear that first you know the um uh, you know, who did you suck in? Like you hear that, and it's like, holy shit, this brings me back to Julia Preston. This brings me back to Chrissy Benedict. This brings me back <laughs> to those people. You want to clarify that? Yeah, well, I mean, no, no, no. I, that, that came out, that came out completely wrong. Oh my god, that was actually uh don't edit that. Uh, we're leaving that in. That was staying no, in. That was that's uh, that's funny. I didn't mean it like that. I meant the song in general, like going back to like their car, like Julia Preston's house was was one of the party houses. Okay. That was DMX and Chrissy Benedict was our ride. Like she would drive us because she, she had was, that she had that blazer. The blazer, she was dating Farley. Trailblazer. And, yeah, I remember, exactly. dude. How sick is it? I remember what car she drove. It's crazy, man. Like uh and, and it's just like that's what those songs they bring me back to to the blazer going to julia preston's and, and going and just having a freaking ball and uh you know having like her house was so sick and she was right next to blackie so like you know blackie was uh you know his house he had he had originally had the the one house and then they moved to they built a house right, right. Behind and then you know so it was it was just crazy like how how intertwined everybody was and you know that was before like we uh we would hang out with with all the girls you know like the adrians and uh and the alicia's and the leslie's and and uh the julia's and all them and then you know it, it's it's like you know you hang out with them and then uh then we started hanging out with some of the juniors like the jenna hilton's and the julie forsters and, right. and it was like julie jovenextera yellow yeah you're exactly right i know i am <laughs> jesus christ bro um but no like i said it's it's like one of those things where um I wish in hindsight that we could have gotten all those people together and like mm -hmm. been together as a big group. Cause I got so much love for, you know, the Adrians of the world and, but also for the Jenna's and the Julie's of the world and the Berkey's and like all these people who like have, have been, been around. Um, and it just like, we just could never make it work. It was because like the guys were like, you know, we were so flaky. It was like, Oh, Hey, what are you guys doing tonight? Oh, we don't have any plans. Oh, all right. Hey, Girls, what you doing tonight? Oh, we're going to have a party at Liz Lankow's house. All right, we'll be over. You know what I mean? Like, it was just because everybody always expected Amma to have a party or Keenan to have a party or to come over to my house in my basement. You know, there was there was so many there was only a couple places where you could go. And then Alicia's house was always a was always a house. Julia Preston's was always a house. You know, I'm, I know I'm missing a couple. Rachel Weiss's house, Liz Lankow's house. So, you know, there were certain places where you could go. It's not like we could just go to the bar. You know, you're right. freaking 16 years old. Um, and that was, uh, I think that was like the biggest thing. Like, you got to figure out if we don't have any plans. I, there's only so many times I can go to garden golf. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, like, and like garden, like golf and eat ice cream. Like, that's not what I'm about yeah. right now. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. So, always had to have a plan. That's funny. In high school, did you have a, a favorite favorite teacher, favorite class? 
Oh, hands down. Um, Miss Patterson. Um, one of the, one of the main reasons that I became a teacher, um, other than my mom. Um, I think, uh, you know, in order to tell this story, I probably have to tell a story about my mom. I think you've been kind of dancing around it and you, you're, you know, my mom passed away. And I yeah. think that that's, uh, that's something that, um, that everybody knows and it's not a secret. And, uh, you know, my mom passed away of a heart attack. Um, she had just gotten clearance, uh, from her breast cancer, um, because she had breast cancer. So, you know, she went through chemo. Radiation. When, when was this? Sorry to interrupt. When was this? No, this was, uh, so cancer was, I found out when I graduated 2005, um, from Bloomsburg and she went through treatments. Um, my mom passed away August 10th, 2007. Uh, I was 24. And, um, so I'll never forget the day. Um, six months prior to my mom passing away, my mom, we got a new dog. We got, um, her name was Daisy. She was a Vizsla. And, uh, you know, my mom went out and I went to work. Um, I don't know if you know this, but I wasn't a teacher when I came out of college. I worked at TV Guide. Um, and I was- TV Guide? Uh, yeah. Uh, Matson Four Road. I was a uh, copy editor. Um, so I was on the sports team. Like they gave me a bunch of channels. So a lot of what you see on the NFL network that was from 2005, 2006, I probably wrote the copy for um, and that was a pretty cool job. I loved it. They paid you pennies on a dollar, which sure. is, and, and my whole, my whole goal when I got the job at TV guide was to go up to New York to, to, to write for the magazine. Like I didn't really, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was pretty ambitious on my part, but, um, I got passed over for a couple, uh, for a couple of promotions and I decided that wasn't for me. Um, so I went to JG Wentworth where my brother worked, Malhorn and I started JG Wentworth together. And, um, while I was there, JG Wentworth sucked. <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but do they people, get you your large sum of money? No, they they don't. Um, they're they they give you a large sum. They're the of bus money commercial, right? Where everyone's singing, everyone's singing opera on the bus about I need my money now. Yeah, so you can thank my brother for that commercial. My brother was the head of marketing when that commercial came out, and he approved it. And Dope. so yeah, legendary. And I said I was like, it's genius, but I hate you for it because it's still coming out. Um, but, you know, it's it, it, it sucked. Um, so, you know, my mom's out. She's trying to get the dog toys. And my sister and I come home or maybe my sister might have been in college. Some I came back and my dad had come back and I was like, Dad, like, where's mom? And he's like, oh, she's not home. So we're looking around, looking around. We start calling hospitals and we find out, you know, we call Suburban General. My mom's in Suburban General. She had passed out outside of where Learning Express was. There was uh, like a Pets Plus or some little dog place. Um, and so she had a big shiner, big black eye. Uh, the reason why I tell this story first is because when, uh, we talked to the doctor, the doctor said, you know, 99.9% .9 of the time, this will never happen again, but that 0.1%, she might not wake up. So you have to, you have to monitor, you have to do this, you have to do that. So we went through the whole thing. Um, and you know, we were everything mom was like, she would get her, you know, her blood pressure, blood pressure checked and all that good stuff. And, and everything seemed to be fine. Um, and then my sister was back from college. I was in my 2000 and my 2005 Hyundai Elantra GT cruising on down to Jenkintown to go meet Jackie and, uh, and her friend at the wet whistle. I got a phone call, um, saying from my sister saying that she had just found my mom. And it was, you know, it was, it was pretty devastating. I won't go into the details, but you know, um, basically I was, I was about three minutes from the wet whistle where I was meeting Jackie and I was just distraught because the only thing I kept thinking about was 99.9% .9 of the time, this will never happen again. 0.1%. It's, it's, it's over. 
And that's the one thing that kept that I kept thinking of. Um, and so I walked in and I had tears streaming down my face and Jackie had just gotten her Cosmo and she looks up and she's with her friend. She goes, Oh my gosh, are you okay? And I said, my mom's gone. And that's pretty much all she needed to hear. So Jackie, you know, pay, like she gets up, she gets, she's like, give me your keys. And I just, I'm, I'm, I'm distraught, you know, clearly you lose your mom. I mean, it, it was just, it was yeah. devastating. Um, but you know, we, uh, you know, we, we got, we got through, the whole thing and 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 again like um it, it was just a really tough time so um obviously you know you you go you go one of two ways you either go and you become a complete a complete loser and you drown your sorrows and alcohol right, you go off the rails and, totally yeah which i did which i did for two weeks until my wife smacked me across my face um you know totally we, normal yeah. And she said, you're, this is either going to make us or break us. I'm not, le- I'm not ready to let this thing go. Get your shit together and let's go. So I quit my job at JG Wentworth and um, I sat down and I was trying to figure out what the hell did I want to do? What am I going to do with my life at this point? And um, my dad and my uncle, uh, they took a, they were, they were going to meet a happy hour over at Whipping Tavern. My uncle um, offered me a full-time job. Um, with my grandfather's company. And he said, listen, he's like, but I'm not, I don't expect you to work 40 hours a week. I want you to take 20 of those hours and I want you to go to school. And my dad said, mom always thought that you would be an amazing teacher. And I thought about it and I was like, you know, every single time I drive by a, a school, I always wonder what's going on in there. I always wonder like what it would be like to be a teacher. I have friends who are teachers and they seem like they're, they got their shit together. And, you know, it seems like a pretty cool job. Um, so that's kind of, so I went back to school. I went to Westchester, started at Monco, then went to Westchester working for my uncle part-time. Um, he was helping me pay my mortgage. I mean, if without him, none of that would have been possible, but it always comes back. Like everybody says, like, who's your biggest influence? And I have to say going full circle, it was Miss Patterson. Ms. Patterson, her personality, the way that she projected herself, the way that she just made me love like grammar. You know what I mean? Like certain little things like that was, was like, okay, I want to, that's what I want to be. That's who I want to be. Miss Patterson had such a huge influence on me. And, you know, I wish that I, I, I wish to this day that I had one more chance just to give her a big old hug and say, thank you so much for everything you did for me in high school. I used to get kicked out of Senior Romeo's ha- um, uh, Spanish class. Nelson yeah. can vouch for this. And I would, and um, actually Elisa Davli and Maria Gigliotti, they, uh, I would, when, as soon as I got kicked out, I would slam the door loud as shit. And <laughs> I would have to go to the principal's office. And I would always be sitting there and Miss Patterson was doing cut lists at that time. So I'm sitting there. So she'd be like, again. And I'm like, she just, and she, I, 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 I don't want to hear it. Take my clipboard. So I would help her do cut lists. She would walk, we'd walk around the school and we'd do the cut list, figure out where the kids are. And it was just fun. Like she, she would have so much fun. Like, I want you to call this person in the hallway and I want you to ask them where they were fourth period. And I'm like, okay. And it'd be like, like people that I don't even know, like, Hey, where were you fourth period? And they look at me like, who the hell is, who the yeah. hell is um, Aren't you but, Chris Gebert? <laughs> You're not Mr. Madden. Yeah, and I'm just, I'm sitting there and she just, she always, always was there. And she was always there to like, kind of like, like Miss Pat, like Miss P, I just don't get it. I don't, I don't understand why she doesn't like me. It's because you're a jerk. That's why she doesn't like you. You're a jerk. You don't like her class, this, that, and the other. And I'm like, you know, and part of it was true. Like I was a jerk to Senior Romeo. I, and I can say that now. Um, what does that mean? Mom, but 
like I was just an asshole. You know what I mean? Like it, calling it was, out, making fun of like making fun of what she's saying. I think it was more being class clown, like trying to make yeah. others laugh. You know, not yeah, that was my problem. Yeah, not necessarily like like I didn't want to take away from her lesson, but I just like, thought you had something to add to make this more entertaining for everybody. Exactly. Even right. though that's not the purpose of the, of no, the 45 exactly. minutes. Then, then she started filming the class and that's when I knew shit was getting real. Like, oh, oh. shit, there's a camera back here and she's filming us. So that's when I was like, all right, well, you know, and that's when, you know, she started calling my mom and my mom would get sick of it. And my mom's like, can you just be nice? And I'm like, I am. She just doesn't like me. And I was a mama's boy. My mom, my mom's birthday is March 5th. I'm March 6th. So her and I were like connected that way. Like she would always be protected. But, you know, Miss Patterson told me how it was. And she was a very, very big influence on kind of what what happened after my mom passed away and then after my mom passed away miss patterson passed away so it was like you know one of those things where it was it was like after dealing with 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 those losses um you know significantly with my mom and then maybe you know uh, just like damn that sucks with miss p because i didn't have that you know that personal out of school relationship with her um, it's a reminder of that influence and you go fuck right yeah exactly teacher how, my mom all that yeah absolutely i get that and how can i honor these how can i honor you know these people and my my whole goal was to be a high school english teacher and i never ever ever brad would have thought that i would end up in in 5th 6th 7th 8th grade middle school who wants to teach middle school you have got to be crazy well, it's funny because you said you would drive by these schools and you would wonder what's going on in there. You know, we just got out. You know what's going on in those schools. Yeah, <laughs> Debauchery. Exactly. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, it's just like one of those things like I'm like, all right, do I really want to do this? Do I want to start in Allentown in seventh and eighth grade? Do I want to go down to North Philadelphia and teach sixth grade ELA in Kensington? You know, these are things that I didn't want to do, but I, I embraced the challenge. And it was something without those two experiences, I wouldn't be the teacher that I am without them. And, and I wouldn't be the teacher that I am without having, you know, Miss uh, Miss Patterson, um, that experience without my mom pushing me and telling me this is what you need to be doing. And I just never listened. You know what I mean? Like it's one yeah. of those things that I I totally wish that I used Bloomsburg time to, to get my my shit together and figure it out. But I wanted to be a writer, and I thought that 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 was that was a, a a path for me. So English creative writing. My dad called me called me an idiot when I changed my major, but you know what? Like I'm there's there's potential there. You know, I have a couple things in the in the works, and hopefully they all work out. But at this point, I'm just excited just to be where I am. And it sucks. the The road getting here was painful and it was hard. But looking back on it. You know, I know I'm in the right spot. I know I'm doing the right thing. I know where I'm, where I belong at this point in my life. So you got that to thank for. Least favorite teacher or class? Oh, shit, man. I don't know. That's a tough one because, you know, Mr. Sabian, I hated math. So I got Mr. Uh, Sabian, you know. Arn or Michael? Uh, I don't, I don't even know. I couldn't tell them apart. I just hated them. I hated them both. <laughs> Which grade? Ninth or 10th? Ninth or 10th? Uh, it would have been ninth grade because uh, you know, Mike Mickles and Tom Beal uh, got up and walked out with me, and I got um, got in trouble for that. Um, Warren algebra. Yep, yep, that's exactly who it was. Uh, so skinnier, skinnier face. Yeah, uh, that him or I mean, Senior Mayo. We we just never gelled. Um, but you know what, man? Like every time that I came in contact with a teacher, like it was usually a positive experience. Hmm. You know, I mean. 
are it's it's funny because like Amma and I were talking about this the other day, like you know, like Mr. Brody and Mr. Dixon and and these these teachers who who like carved out like like Coach Wilson even who I never even had as a teacher, but had a relationship with him through basketball. You know, I see Coach I saw Coach Wilson in Home Depot's parking lot last week, and he was like, "Oh, get how you doing?" You know what I mean? It's just That's like cool. We our class was so different. I feel. Um, and maybe like the next class and maybe the class before, you know, there were, there were experiences that we had with those teachers that I don't want to say they were, um, inappropriate or anything like that. You know what I mean? I think that, uh, they were just like, I can't have a relationship with a student the way that some of those teachers had a relationship with me now, because everything's under a microscope, you know? And it's like, you have to be very careful. Well, I'm the teacher. <laughs> I, I'm the teacher. Well, I, are you going to talk about Mr. Milio? Well, I was just, I was, I was going to say, I was just going to say, well, some, some teachers did get caught, you know, going a little far on that, on that whole aspect, not just him, but, you know, I think, I think the other Sabia did and, and others, you know, uh, so there's something to it, but I, I get what you mean because I, I did have, and some of those teachers, again, you know, the Milios and some of the others, yeah. um, where I had a, such a, a, our teacher base. So something happened in 10th grade. In 10th grade, I believe, is when they started first offering buyouts. Okay. Ninth or 10th. I think it was 10th grade because I had Mr. Russo with the one eye, with the glass eye for biology. And I think after that, he got the buyout. Um, (laughs) So they all, so like all these, all these older teachers who had been in the district for 30 years or more left. And we got these, like, we got these brand new, fresh out of like Penn State like I remember having Mrs. Palmer in in for for okay. like geometry, and she was like this blonde twenty three year old teacher that I was just like, holy shit! Like, <laughs> she looked like Britney Spears, you know? Yeah. Like, like it was like, what the fuck is you know? And 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 uh, we had Mr. Mal- had Mr. Malone for TV Lab, and even Brody was really young, and yeah, and we just had a and Cairns, and there were just a lot of really young teachers that started coming. Mrs. Evans was the English teacher, I Mrs. Miss Evans, yeah, like Mrs. Chaplin looked like Helen Hunt, like it was just all these really young teachers that you had a little bit more leeway with than you did with like you know I, I had these like sixty year old elementary school teachers, and you know. Right. Yeah. Or like you, or like you, Mrs. Gross or Mrs. Amen, like you had in middle school. Like those, these are not these teachers. I, yeah. Did I go on and on and off about the blonde young teachers? Like, <laughs> but you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Like it's it's a weird it's a weird thing, man. And like I'm I'm the teacher right now. Where like if if we're if we're in class if we were in school for the like before summer and you know you have a girl who's like whose skirt's a little short or spaghetti straps. I'm the one who goes over to another female teacher and says, you have to tell her about this. I'm not even putting myself in a position to do it because there are so many, there are so many like things about that. Like, it's almost like I feel guilty, like even noticing. And and it's like, you know, cause these are seventh, eighth, ninth grade girls, but it's like, dude, like, come on. Like, I'm not looking at you, but yeah, you I saw you and that. you can't wear that. Exactly. And it's, I don't, as a male teacher in a, in a female dominated profession, you know, I I just want to make sure not only am I taking caution, but I'm not going to end up as another like stupid statistic for these idiots who think that it's okay to have a relationship with somebody who is under 18, number one. And number two, you know, you're, you're a mentor, you're supposed to be this person and and you're totally taking advantage of that. 
And, you know, that's, that sucks. But, um, you know, I can't believe I forgot. I can't, Mr. Quimby, you know, he was mentioned a few times. Oceanography, me and Kevin, me and K-Rod, Kevin Rogers, we used to sit next to each other. And this was like, you know, I guess 2000, like it was definitely our senior year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It was the elective science class. And we would like, we would write like stupid shit on like the, on the benches, like on the wood. Um, like underneath, cause he had those big, he had those big tables. He didn't have, it was desks. never in his class. Okay. So he had tables. He didn't have desks. So it was two to a, two to a table. So K-Rod and I would sit next to each other and I wrote, I'd never forget. I wrote that's hot on like one under, like underneath one of the things. Before Paris Hilton. Yeah. Before Paris Hilton. Exactly. Took your I'm shit. The, I'm the creator of that. Just so, just so we're clear. Everybody. You got some money to pay up. No, it was funny as shit because he, he literally, he was like, Gebert, I need you to stay after class. And I'm like, oh, what the hell did I do? And I remember like he gave us this, this paper where we were supposed to color like sea animals. Like it was the stupidest thing ever. He was like, color it and cut them out and paste them to another piece of paper. And I'm like, I didn't do that. So I thought he was going to bust my balls about that. And he goes, he's like, come over here with me. And we walked over to the thing and he goes, that's hot. He's like, why did you write that on my, de- on my, uh, you know, on my table? And I was like, that wasn't me. And he was like, you are the only person at Wissahickon who says that's hot. And I hear you say it every single day. It was yours. Well, that's what I said. I was like, I was like, is that, is that accurate? (laughs) Like I said that to him, I was like, I don't think that's accurate, sir. And he goes, admit it or you're off the, uh, the Baltimore, the Baltimore trip, the aquarium trip. And I was like, shit, even if I, even if I didn't do it, I was going to admit it. You know what I mean? Like I'm not, there's no way I'm in hell I'm missing that trip. That's Mm -hmm. the best trip of the year. Um, So I was like, yeah, it was me. And to this day, I don't, I honestly don't remember doing it. I probably did it. And if he says that I'm the only one that said it and it's, it's in the seat that I sit in, yeah, did, I guess it makes sense. And I was a scribbler. <laughs> so, you know, I'll take yeah, I'll, You did that I'll, shit, Chris. Yeah, exactly. I'll own it. Especially if it's going to get me a trip to Baltimore to go to see the freaking aquarium. So that I was never, you know, I wanted to always take oceanography and I never, I never got out of like the, what seemed like the core science classes. There are always a few that I always wanted to hop into. Uh, yeah. I just never got to, never got to get into oceanography was one of them. It was a pretty cool class, man. And uh, my sister who went to Rhode Island is a marine biologist um, who's like, she works as a scientist right now. She's not, she doesn't do anything with marine biology, but um, you know, just to kind of like have that great like, Seinfeld episode, by the way. Yeah. Right. Exactly. <laughs> What's that with the whale and the golf ball? Um but yeah, the water was rough that day. My, the sea was rough that day, my friends. Like an old man trying to send back soup at a deli. Oh God, talk about a hole in one. <laughs> um, yeah, Is that titleist. That's uh, it's it's just funny, man. It's like one of those classes that like I don't know, like oceanography. Like, what the hell am I gonna do with oceanography? It was like you weren't I, thinking about what to do with the exactly. class. You were like, what can I get through and not stab myself with? Yeah, senioritis is so bad that and, oh, give me something that's going to just coast through. Mr. Quimby made it hard as shit, man. And like, teacher selection. Yeah. Right? Who do you, who do you want to have? Like, oh, I don't want to get this guy. Like, I I ended up – I took um, uh, physics. Oh, God bless you, dude. What the hell is you – what are you thinking? Is that it? Physics? No. What's uh, – it's one of those – it's after chemistry because I had Mr. McKean in the old – Mr. McKean. The old assistant principal. I had him for chemistry. That was great. And then I had yep. uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Hine Haynes. Mr. Haynes. Haynes. And something like that. It was like kind of like algebra. It was kind of like chemistry, but it was way more. And 
uh, JP wrote in my thing, like, yo, that was the bomb when you were like, when you went at Mr. Haynes and he kicked me out of the class and like, I got in trouble and I'm just like, what the fuck am I even doing? What yeah. was I trying to prove? Why was I taking honor physics? What the, what the fuck were you thinking? What was it? Why wasn't I in oceanography? Like what the fuck? And it's just like one of those things where like, it was a teacher thing and it was like, yeah. wow, wrong teacher, wrong. You know, like you fucked yourself in this. Like I should have just, I should have gone with the Quimby or whatever. Yeah, but you know, found you bring, out what Mrs. Bogdan was teaching and hopped in there. And, well, you brought up uh, Mr. McKeeman in chemistry, and that's it's it's funny because you know when I got into that class, Danny Cassidy and I had uh, had Mr. McKeeman, and we used to sit next to each other. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh, God damn it, man! I got an old principal now. This is gonna be the worst class ever. I gotta say, man, I gotta give I gotta give Mr. McKeeman props. Because, we were like his first class. Yeah, we were his first class, and that was and I was I like I said, like it, it was. It was, it wasn't that bad. He made it interesting. And he was, you know, he always reminded me of um, oh my God, uh, who's the um uh Kip from freaking Napoleon Dynamite with the mustache and the Oh, glasses. the brother? Yeah, the brother. Like that's who like that's who like Wanda coming to coming to pick me up and yeah, right. Right. So right. he had the yeah, he had the he had the part and the glasses the part, and the, yeah. the glasses, the little mustache and the tie, and I'm yes. like you know, this guy cares about his, this guy cares about his job. If you're going to leave a principal and as an educator, I know principals get paid a shit ton more than teachers. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So you're going to leave that to, to come into, to be a teacher. I, I don't know if he had to take a pay cut or anything like that, or if that was like a grandfathered in type deal, but I, I will tell you that, it's you know, a different job. he definitely, he definitely worked for it. And he, and it was, I, I give him props for it, man. He like, was the teacher, you know, he was the teacher that everyone, because he had, because he had the, sh he had the short haircut. Let's just say it. He had the mustache and the short haircut. He looked like Hitler. Hitler. Right. <laughs> everyone said he looked like Hitler. And so when you hear he's going to be a teacher, you're like, oh, oh fuck, God. I got Hitler. <laughs> Shit. But I'll be honest, like, as far as like, and science was not my, my subject at all. But as far as like teachers that I got along with, I thought he went above and beyond. I remember his son died that year. Oh shit. I, I forgot about Remember that. His son died. I think his son went to UNC. Yeah. Oh man. That's and funny. he was a big, and I remember that was during the NCAA tournament. And like, oh. I used to talk to him about basketball and just like, you know, there was like a, for a guy that you called that we joked about and called Hitler, the guy was, he was, he had a warmness to him that you wouldn't expect from a scary assistant principal. I didn't have no connection like that with Mr. Madden when Mr. Madden took over. Right. Mr. Like, like yeah, he, he just, just to give him these props that Mr. McKinnon didn't have this. I'm an assistant principal. I'm in a scary, I'm a scary authority figure. He was fun down to earth and kind. It was shock. It's one of the more shocking moments of my high school career. I, I, I agree with you. And, and being on the other side of his, of his office, you know, when he was a principal, he, he, he didn't really have that. I don't know. It was almost like, you know, you get sent to Mr. McKeeman's office. It wasn't like, uh, like you're, you don't go in with anxiety or nerves. You just kind of like, all right, this motherfucker, what's, what's this guy going to do? How is he going to, to be? And, you know, very straightforward. Um, but he had, he had a little, little edge to him, but, and that's when I thought like when, when we had him as a teacher, I was like, Oh shit, he's not a principal anymore. Like, this is going to suck. This guy's going to run this class like a drill sergeant, but you're mm -hmm. right. He had a really, like he, he connected, he, he was trying to connect with his students. And I, thought yeah. he did a really good job at that so yeah yeah mr mckeeman thank you <laughs> <laughs> oh shit you went to um uh jg wentworth mm -hmm. out of college but when you were in high school what did you actually think you wanted to do 
So it's it, interestingly enough, I had no fucking idea. Yeah. I, I honestly had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, my freshman year at college, my dad, you know, him and I had a conversation and my dad's like, listen, I, I think you should do business administration. Um, and you know, I will be the very first person to tell you that math is it's, it's not, I'm not a good math person. Like numbers, they, they mess me up. Um, so my, you know, we, we went to Bloom, like, so the big thing was the reason why I went to Bloomsburg was because, um, uh, Mr. Woodward, who was my guidance counselor, he got my SAT scores and he forgot a number. He sent them in like, so he sent them in as a 980 to all my colleges when really I had like, a, it was a 10 And so he was one number off. And so I was, I was getting accepted to Shippensburg and to Bloomsburg, you know, on summer session. And I was pissed. And I told my dad, like, listen, I, I don't want, I don't want to do summer session. I'm not going up to school. This is my senior summer. We had just rented out a few, a whole house yeah, yeah. in Wildwood. So my dad called and Bloomsburg was the only one that was willing to rescind the, the summer school offer and give me fall admission because it wasn't my fuck up. It was Mr. Woodward who set the SAT. That's unbelievable. Dude. It's like one in a billion. So why haven't I won the lottery yet? That's yeah. what I'm asking. That's what, you know, that's the way I think about it. Um, and it was, you know, uh, once I, once I got up there, you know, business administration, like I, you know, it was my first class was cinema appreciation. Like it was, that was the very first class that I had. The shit I used to take. Day, yeah. The first day I walk in, they're like, yeah, cinema appreciation, six to nine. And the first movie that we watch is uh taxi or taxi driving with Robert. I'm like, yo, this is awesome. And so then I would start, you know. I would start, you know, doing my own self-medicating before going into, uh, you know, going into movie class. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you're in college. You got you live you live once. And then oh, I was a film student. You ain't got to tell me how it works. So the rest of my schedule. Yeah, the rest of my schedule. <laughs> the rest of my schedule sucked, man. It was it was. Oh. It was like it was like all right. So I have the six to nine on Monday, and then Tuesday I got to wake up and I have uh, accounting at eight eight to eight fifty, and I'm like, all right, this is just not going to work. Um, so. You know, and then there was there was another math class, and then there was two um, comprehension classes. And I've always been ELA. I've always been a reader. I've always been a writer. So like, I kept I kept those two classes. I kept cinema appreciation. I failed, um, I failed accounting uh, miserably. Uh, mm. And I went to my to my counselor, uh, my advisor, and I said, "Listen, I was like, I don't know what to do." And I had had her for um, a comprehension class, and she goes, "Chris, you know, as somebody who's a writer." And somebody who can recognize a, like a little bit of talent, I think that you might want to consider, you know, becoming like a creative writing major. And so I did it without my, I mean, at this point I'm 18, but I'm still scared shitless of my dad's opinion. Right. They're so paying I, your tuition, right? Yes. At this point. Yep. Yeah. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to piss off my dad, but at the same time, you know, I, uh, like my first trimester or my first try, my first semester. Was it rough, Chris? Um, first, it, it, first three of the nine months. Was it tough? It, it was rough. I mean, so a lot of people don't know this, but I pledged a fraternity and uh -huh. I was put in the hospital and I had to come home. Um, yeah, they, I was, you, it was close, man. I was, uh, I, I got, I got pretty fucked up. Um, and it was, uh, so like around like, so I get there in August 
And, you know, I'm just trying to, I'm trying to figure things out. And, you know, um, I go to Bloomsburg where a lot of Wissagen people went. Yeah. And, I was going to say, know, like, I've interviewed probably like five or six people that even just talked about the group car rides with you that even if you weren't like Brandon McQuaid and, you know, yeah. just. Yeah. So like, uh, um, you know, uh, Skidari, his brother yep. was in the fraternity. Right. Joe and Tom um, are up but, there. Yeah. yeah. Joe and Tom, uh, Steve Pileggi, uh, Johanna Leitner, you know, a couple Adrian. other people who were Stamacher, Adrian, you know, like a lot of people that like, I just like surrounded myself. I was having fun um, as, but I, I wanted more and I, I couldn't figure out, like, I was trying to make those connections. You know, they always say, make those connections. And then when you get out of college, you're going to have those connections for life yep. and blah, 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 blah. I was trying to do the college thing. Yeah. And really what I could have done is just, just done my own thing and just been my own person. Cause it would have ended up the same exact way. Mm. So, you know, basically what happened was, um, uh, I was, uh, we were in the basement one night, we got called back at like two o'clock in the morning. Um, as I was walking out of my dorm depot, was like, where are you going? I was like, I got called back. I got to go down to, you know, to the frat house and, and do whatever. And what he does goes, that mean called back? It's so they would, they would release you as a pledge and they would let you go, like go on your way. Um, but they, they, you had to be available 24 seven. So okay. it could be something as simple as, yo, we want Gebert down here to make me a sandwich just to mess with us. You know, a little sure. hazy. Right. It was never, like, this fraternity was really good because it was never, it was never about drinking. It was never about like, they, they, they were smart. Um, and they wouldn't like sit there and make somebody drink so much where you're going to puke and then they're going to get in trouble. You know, like some, whatever fraternities like the do guy, that. Like the guy that was dying on the couch and they try to pick him up and they dropped him on the stairs and all that shit for like 14 hours and let him die. It wasn't that. Exactly. Um, so they called us back and when we were down there, like it was one of our, one of the kids' birthdays, one of the, one of my fellow pledges birthdays. So they made like this Crisco cake. It was fucking disgusting. <laughs> oh, and they put all this shit gross. in it and they made yeah, they made us eat it. And so they said, if anybody pukes, then we're going to do calisthenics. And so somebody puked. And so um, they had, they put one of the kids on my back and they made us jump. They made me jump up and down. And the last thing that I remember is jumping. And then I don't feel anything. And I'm just, they said I passed out. Like I was, I was out. So I, I, I woke up uh, to Joe Scuderi putting me in the back of his car with, with Pileggi. And they were taking me up to the hospital and I was like kind of in and out. Steve? Yeah. So I was kind of like, I, I, I must preface this conversation with thank you to them because they were the only two that kind of stepped up and, and did and did what they did. Otherwise it could have been a lot worse. Sure. Um, so they brought me up to, to the hospital and um, like I get, like I said, I was drifting in and out man, and it was, uh, it was really weird. And the next thing I remember is waking up in the hospital, like on a gurney. And they put wow. something under my tongue. And next thing you know, my deck, like, it was like instant relief, dude. It was yeah. like my entire lungs just opened up. And so what had happened was they, they, they said that I had um, a swollen lung. They had the, which was what? Like, so it, the swollen lung was a result of asthma, bronchitis and mono. So I had, I had all of these things going on. This is October in the you middle had mono of mono and had no clue. I had no, I had no idea I even had it. And Holy so I am so I'm sitting in the hospital bed and they're like, listen, like we, we recommend that you go home. My mom, my mom and dad came up and they picked me up and I was, I was back home for a good two weeks. You wow. know what I mean? And the end of my semester pretty much ended with the, with my, with my professors saying, you know, are you coming back? Do we need to excuse you from finals? My dad wouldn't let that happen. My dad said, absolutely not. He's not being excused from finals. You know, he's going to come You're back. So I had gone back home. 
Yeah. And and I'm glad that he did it. I, I wanted to do it. I didn't want to be out of school for that long. Yeah. But like the, uh, the whole, you know, so they said that when I went in the hospital, like if you have like 50%, uh, you could breathe like hundred percent in both lungs, right? 50% on the left side, 50% on the right. Yeah. Um, I could only breathe out of 25% of the right lung. And then 75% out of like, you know, I guess it would have been like 25%, basically 50% of my, my lungs were constricted due to the asthma bronchitis and the mono. And Holy I shit. was on this medication. Dude, I, was, I was knocked out for, right. for quite a while. Um, everything, man. And yeah. like, I mean, that whole, I would say probably week and a half, two weeks that I was out from when I was at home, complete fog. I don't even remember it. Like it, it was just my mom sitting there feeding me and, and, and taking care of me pretty much. Um, and me trying to figure like, trying to like, why am I not at school? Like trying to make sense of the whole situation. But you know, um, when I got back up the, uh, the fraternity, usually if they, they call you a D bag, if you, you, um, if you, if you, uh, you know, don't D, make it, D, you know, D pledge of frat. Hmm. And I'll never, I, I had conversations with a lot of those guys. Um, and they were all like, you know, you're the one that's going to make it. You're the one. And they were always pumping me up. So I felt comfortable about that. And that's probably more so because I had a relationship with a lot of the guys that were in there um, from high school and things like that. But I also like, I busted my ass and it was something that I really wanted and it didn't happen. And then like, they said when I came back, oh, yeah, you know, you're not a D-bag, but if you don't re-pledge in spring semester, then you're going to be considered a D-bag and we're going to make your we're going to make your your entire um, collegiate career miserable. So I was like I said, man, I'm a personable guy. And it's it's I had a lot of friends at that point, And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going I'm not doing this again, dude. I was I was like four weeks in. I was two weeks away from being right. Like, a member and they want me to go through the shit all over again. Fuck that. I'm not yeah. doing, I'm sorry. I can make my life work with, you know, without having this fraternity in my life. Now, with that being said, a lot of people kind of looked at me and, and they were, I guess, I don't know if they were frustrated or with what, but they didn't know what I went through during those two weeks. And a lot of them, if they listen to this, you know, this is probably the first time that they hear about what I went through, but I struggled, man. I struggled with it. I struggled. I was depressed because I wasn't with my fraternity brothers. I was depressed because I wasn't at school. I was having a ball. I was just finally adjusting. I was finding my click. And then I come back and they tell me that I have to do this all over again, or they're going to ruin my collegiate career. So I said, no, fuck that. This is not, I'm going to do what I need to do. And, you know, Fence Demacher, that's, that's kind of how Fence Demacher and I, you know, became, became real tight. He brought me down to the baseball house, the baseball mm. team. They were very, very receptive depot. Um, he hung out with the swimmers. So we would go over to this house 501 and we'd, we'd hang out with them. I made so many more friends and my circle just continued to grow mm -hmm. that it made me comfortable because, yeah. you know, I've seen people who debagged who had to leave school. And I was like, man, that's just, that's a shitty situation. And, yeah, you know, fair. we made it work. Exactly. And I'm, again, I'm blessed because I made it work. It's not like, you know, the Pelleggies and the Scenarios of the world, they didn't freaking shun me. You know, every time I saw them, hey, what's up? What's up? Because they knew they had a personal relationship. It was those other guys who I had no, who had no idea who I was personally. Mm -hmm. They didn't give a shit. Oh, that's a kid that passed out that one time. What a pussy. You know what I mean? Like, okay, cool. That's what that's cool. You know, it's so funny. Like that is, you know, now that I've done the podcast and I have a better sense of like some of the people and, and some yeah. of the popular kids, like 
that is the fear that I used to have about the popular kids in high school. And just knowing some of those people now so much better than I, than I did then. And knowing like, like they're like, there's like, that's, that's just so fucking whack. That's so just whack to, to treat someone like that or act like that now. Like, so looking back then it's like, Oh, how lame. Yeah. You know what I mean? To, to treat someone like that because of that, like, Oh, like, you know, just the peer pressure thing is just, it's so uncool. (laughs) It's I can't, I can't, I don't know any other way to say it more plainly. It's just like, it's so uncool to make someone feel bad for some shit like that. Like, it's just, that's a wild thing to me. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, I think the best, the best part about it was it, I didn't let that define me. You know, I I was, I was always gonna, you know, especially because I, I had just had so much fun with, with these baseball guys and I was a cross player. You know what I mean? Like, Baseball wasn't my bag, right. but, um, you know, fence the mocker and, and a couple of my, my college boys, they were, they always had my back. And then that's why I started surrounding myself with these huge dudes because, you know, I was always scared. I was always nervous, like looking over my shoulder that something might happen. If I'm at a, like sororities, I hung out with all, with the guys who would hang out with sorority girls and the sororities, some of them, some of them, they, not that they would like look at me differently or anything like that. But you always had to be careful of the people because there's like, you know, 200 people in a house. So you never sure. know. So we go down to like a, like the crow house. Um, and I was really cool with a lot of the crow with the crow frat. And they never made me feel awkward. I would go it's not, to the crow house is not Craig McDonald. No, 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 it's not. Um, I would go to like, you know. Um, some of the other, some of the other people that I hung out with, I'd go to their sororities, like Brianna McQuaid. Uh, she, she's, uh, like she was, her sorority sisters were, um, were one of people that I was very close with. Mm. So it was, you know, I, I felt comfortable in these places. And then as soon as, as, um, you know, one of those frat guys came in, I would sit there and be like, all right, time for me to go. Yeah. And cause I was respectful of, of what their unwritten rules were. You know so, what I mean? It's and not I worth. It's not worth a conflict. It doesn't matter that much to you. Plus, I'm five seven, dude. <laughs> you just got to. You just got to. It's yeah. Just got to take that bell out. You had your fun and ready to roll. Exactly, and I think that a lot of the uh, the frat guys probably understood that. You know, he's not he's not sitting here like looking at us, egging us on. He's like, as soon as he sees us come in, he leaves. And yeah. because I didn't want to, I don't want to start conflict between anybody. Sure. I still want to, and it was, uh, and a lot of times, like. The, like fence the mocker constantly dude stop being a bitch let's go come on man you're fine you don't have to leave i'm like dude i'm just gonna leave I don't, it's it's all good i got other places that i can go to i can go hang out with i would roll like anywhere I said, lit. i would be like yo i'm with eric fence the mocker motherfucker <laughs> i would start that yeah, shit well, he's, not, he's only five eight man he's got some big muscles but they're, yeah, uh, he's, they're jack. For sure. he's jack come on <laughs> he's gonna kick my ass after he hears this too he's gonna be like what, what pledges pledges like six four let's roll let's go yeah, dude, and they all live in Collegeville, man. It's a, it's, it's awesome. Like, uh, I go to Fence's house, and the the next neighborhood over is Pelleggi, and then where uh, my sister and her husband are in uh, Fence Mocker's old neighborhood, and then we're two minutes up the road from everybody. So, your sister's been, a year older than you. You're younger. You're younger. Uh, Two years younger. Melissa. Yeah, yeah Melissa. Yeah. I know the name. I don't. I don't know the face. Uh, I'm yeah. sure if I if I saw her, I would know, but I don't. Yeah, she hung out with um, like Jenny Nelson is is probably like one of her best friends. Um, you know, there's a couple of them, but um, ever since my mom passed away, I will say that like you know, her and I, our relationship really became super super tight. She she kind of just like 
popped into our group. I hated her when I was, and then, then she became a freshman and then she starts like linking in with all of our friends and our friends are hanging out with her friends. And it's like, all right, you know, like, I guess everybody's going to intertwine. Um, and like her and I, like we became closer and closer and closer. And then we, like I said, when my mom passed, it was like, bam, like her and I were inseparable. She lives right down the road. Her, um, her son was born on March 6, 2020. And my birthday's March 6th and I'm his godfather. So uh, what for you, you know, I feel like this could be like a Pandora's box, but for you, you know, let's try and limit it. Favorite artist of high school era. Let's, let's do three. Okay. Let's do three. All right. So, oh man, like hip hop, R&B. Anything, like- anything. Pop. High school. High school, high school era. Oh shit, man! All right, we'll, get, we'll, you, we'll, we'll put Craig. Dave. By the way, I I have to tell you, I have I have to send an apology because uh, in the in one of the last episodes where we were talking about uh, Craig David and I shouted you out because I was like, "Yo, Gebert is all about Craig. He's the only guy I know that's all about Craig David." But then I think it was Leslie. I can't remember. I think it was Leslie. Maybe I was like, "Yo, almost huge into Craig David." I was like, "You're fucking right. Like, of course he is. Like, there's two. There's two of you." Yeah. Which means there's three of us. So I'm a, like, my bad, dude. You absolutely are the Craig David guy. He and you know what? I'm a, I'll never forget. And this is my biggest one of my biggest regrets. Brad is uh, my freshman year in college. Craig David was just enormous. Fence Mocker and I would would put on the Craig David album, and we would have everybody freaking just jamming out to fill me in or to Seven Days, whatever it was. And Rendezvous. Uh, yeah, that's dude. I wanted that to be my wedding song, yeah. and Jackie, Jackie shot it down. So I went with John Legend. Um, but you know, Rendezvous was like my that was my jam. Um, but the reason why I brought that up is almost said, almost said to me, he was like, "Yo, he's like, I can get you a ticket to the Craig David concert in Philly in two thousand. It was two thousand one. It had to have been, or maybe it was two thousand two. Maybe it was the spring of that year. And I was like, oh man, I can't. I got this going on. Blah 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 blah, and." It was the last. It was the last time that he was here. He never comes to. He never toured again. He never had another album. Oh, that's bullshit, man. He's got a bunch of good albums. I love. He did crazy. have another album after. Was it like Slicker Than Your Average? Was that the Slicker second album? Yo, how about yo, yo? Points for me for for pulling that out. Slicker Than Your Average. I never heard another album after that. Goes man, how the story goes. That's a great album. It's the third one, and then, uh, dude, yeah, he, he's got so he's got so he's go on Spotify. He's got some hits, man. I love Craig David, but he's not high school. So let me ask you this. Yeah. Give me, give me your top three. And then, cause I need to think here. So my favorite rapper in high school was Eminem. Um, but you know, I went, I, Biggie was up there. I remember the born again album came out and like, that was when I, like I had retroactively gotten into Biggie. And so when the born again album yeah. came out, I was like fucking all in on that shit. That was like 11th grade. I was really, really into the Jay-Z uh, Dynasty Rock La Familia album, like huge. But there was also right before that, there was a moment in time in like 11th, 12th grade where I got into more, I don't want to, I guess, underground uh, hip hop. Um, Jurassic Five? No. The Alcoholics. Yeah, dude. Exhibit? And the no no not exhibit it was exhibit wasn't it, it was uh it was exhibits like the solo guy like not in the he had some songs with them was but it was alcoholics with like eric wasn't it eric murray and no 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 you're embarrassing yourself no you're thinking of the death squad <laughs> you're, the, you're the keith murray you're thinking of death squad you said you're embarrassing yourself yeah yeah you're embarrassing yourself. exactly right 
right, you're, you're thinking of Death Squad, which okay. was Keith. Okay. Keith. Yeah, we'll take that out. <laughs> so my favorite art. We'll start over. <laughs> no. um, who was your Who was your top three in high school, Brad? So I'll go. Um, uh, yeah, Eminem. Uh, Biggie was up there. Jay-Z was like on the cusp. Um, but then there was like that era where like I got into the beat nuts and the alcoholics. So the alcoholics were like J-Ro and Tash and Tash had that song Nightfall, which was fucking, which is fucking hot. And, um, and the beat nuts were like, watch out now. And they had that song with, they had uh watch. Yeah. And they had um, off the books with big pun. Yep. And oh, yeah. Oh man. God damn, you're bringing up so many people. I'm like, holy shit, who? who yeah, is my- and and legit senior year in high school, uh, you know, we I had a public speaking class, yeah. and I, we had to um, um, Miss uh, shit, public speaking was with Miss is sorry with an F. Can't uh, remember. Miss Fennel. It doesn't sound right. Is it Mrs. Fennel? I can't remember. Fuck. I can't remember, but it was definitely senior year because I got pulled out right after giving my final speech. I got pulled out for beating up C Money so I could be get, be sent to suspension for three days, a week of, the, the last week of school. But I remember in that in that presentation, you had to do like a me box, and on the and like in the box, I was like, "Yo, my favorite rapper right now are are the Beat Nuts and Tash of the Licks." <laughs> like, like, I do seven songs. Who the fuck this guy? Yeah, like who was this? Um, so like, yeah, that was like kind of, and and I mentioned this with uh, with someone else. I think it was Brian Brian Cho, but like, you know, in high school is when when lyrics became really big, like hip hop lyrics on the internet yeah. were becoming a thing. And I used to follow this website, uh, Ula Original Hip Hop Lyrics Archive. Holy shit. You know that? O-H-H-L-A dot com. Go ahead and finish your thought. And I have to say something, but go ahead. And and every day they would upload brand new lyrics and it would be like 40 in a lot. And it'd be like, yo, we uploaded like these 12 songs from this brand new album that just came out or like this one song from Brother Brother Lynch Hung or like this one song from Slim Calhoun, the cut song. And I'm like, all right, I'll just get on to Napster or, or Kazaa or Livewire or whatever. And I'll, I'll the cut song, Slim Calhoun, and I'll download it. And, you know, like uh, Helter Skelter, Let the Brains Blow. And, and I'm just like downloading all this shit. And that's how I, that's what I, that's how I got into like like other hip hop than what other was just hip-hop. getting played on the on the radio. Yeah. And so my my world like just expanded in high school of hip hop to where like it was like I loved it, but like I didn't have like a whole body of work like you had three Biggie albums to go in on, or like yeah. you had three Eminem albums to go in on, or you know what I mean, or a couple. You know, you didn't grow up. Like, I didn't grow up with it. Like I grew up listening to Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg, so it was like right. always. It was like. I loved it. I liked it at the time. It was exactly what I was, you know, I loved it. It was what I listened to. But to say it was like my favorite felt weird and a little fake because I only knew like seven songs from every artist. Yeah. You know, what's funny, man, is you remember Tony Joel? Yeah. Yeah. Tony Joel. So we used to go to the library, um, like during a study hall and him and I, like this was when Bone Thugs and Harmony, The Art of War came out, the double CD. It had Tupac, it had Look Thug Love on it. it had my eyes Thug. and tell me right? what right? it is. Yo. Look into so my eyes. I hope YouTube doesn't take that down. This is going to be one of the most unpopular things that, that probably have, I will say today. Um, I would say both Thugs and Harmony 
was probably they were my shit, man. I mean, from why is that unpopular? I mean, from seventh grade, just because like, you know, there's so many like you just brought up a bunch of freaking rap artists that I'm like, oh, shit, like this, that and the other. But Dude, no one knows Helta Skelter. Yeah. Well, I, you'd be surprised. Um, but Bone Thugs was always like they—they they were always my shit, man. Like, and Tony Joel used to go on and just print out lyrics, and he'd be like, like I remember like the song Body Rot, which was you know, uh, you said we're gonna stop until these motherfucking cops body rot, body rot, body rot, and it's like, what the fuck are they saying? Like Crazy Bone would just go like, bam, and I'm like, exactly and uh and tony joel he used to he used to print out all the lyrics and be like yo just in case you're you you do not know what he's saying i'm like because him and i we connected over like bone thugs and harmony yeah so i would say like bone thugs is definitely they were definitely like my group okay if i had to go solo artist like this is tough because like eminem was definitely like he he was up there Mm -hmm. um and obviously as a white man i fucking i I identified with them I and I was do like, this. Oh, yo, this is cool as shit, dude. He's bringing it back where snow left it off. Right. But I, I got to say, man, like DMX, like that, he was, there was so many songs that I didn't even realize. And I, I only realized just last week when Fence and I were freaking going through the, the list, how many songs bring me back to that 10th, 11th, 12th grade. So I have to go DMX. He's got one be- second, just because it just happened. Hold on one second. Uh-oh. If this was in person, I would have this behind me. Oh, my. On vinyl? On vinyl, brother. That, that's freaking. And, yo, the intro. The intro song right there. His first album, the intro. Yo. You fucking with D? That's my yo. man. Because. Yeah. Now, now you know. know. Now yeah. you know. Oh my god! Like, and then dun, was just like, just some about his like grot, like just dude. He was just he he was he was a bad motherfucker. I mean, that's there's nothing there's nothing that I can say that you know um, about like you know the baddest clearly. But it ironically, I will say so. I have one more for you. So um, yeah. shit. I guess Bone Thugs and DMX and God. I'm probably Nelly, dude. Like Nelly was just a really like. You can find me in St. Louis exactly. with a gun play, rang that all day, na na na. That album epitomizes my entire senior year. You like, ain't wrong. Uh, you know, I mean, there there was an every and that that album. I don't know if you noticed it, but that album lasted forever. Like he would put out a song. Oh, the song then, I just said was like track three. It wasn't yeah. even a single. Like yeah, and then the like, Cedric Entertainer skits. Hey yo, Nelly, I'm out here yeah, in the yeah, in the loop. But I'm saying, like he came out. The first one was um was uh you know we going down down baby. boom 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 hush it hush it. That was the first song that came out, and then it was um and then it was EI, and then it was uh you know there. If you want to go take a ride with me, yeah, <laughs> smoke an L in the back of the Benzie. Oh, why must I feel this? Yeah. Hey. So I, I got it. I gotta go, Nelly, man. And that's a good pull. And and um, you know the funny thing is, until Depot and I were roommates in college, I didn't give. I I like I like Jay Z. I didn't give. I I don't think I gave Rockefeller the the. Um, the the appreciation that they deserved. I didn't give them the recognition that they deserved. So, like, 
I, I will say that the blueprint, like that, that, that album changed my life. Blueprint two, you know, the black album, like, and all of these, like all of these songs just remind me of Depot because Depot got me onto this. I can't, I can't let this, 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 and I can't wrap this up without talking a little bit of wrestling because, you know, so for me growing up, I was always the wrestling guy and I, I used to like wear wrestling t-shirts in high school and no one ever talked to me about wrestling. It was like my group of friends, like their, their, their crossed bear was that they had to watch wrestling with me, Ray, Scott, some other friends like would have to be into wrestling with me. I didn't have other wrestling friends. Um, but then I want to say after I worked at WWE and I came back to Philly and I would go to shows, then I see that like Kevin and you and Uma are like wrestling fans. And like I, I run any sometimes at a show in Philly. I'm like, what the fuck? Like is wrestling like that type of thing now? Like when did you get into, into wrestling? So um, you know, wrestling the male soup opera, man. Like uh, it was for me, um, Amma and I, you know, him and I connected over wrestling probably like, I would probably say, you know, junior year in high school, maybe senior year. Um, and it got to the point where like, you know, Stone Cold and The Rock and like, it's just like the storylines and the characters and Triple H and Edge and Christian and the Hardy Boys and like all these dudes, like, I'm yeah. just like, you know, these, these number one, these, these guys are amazing athletes. Number two, I love the storyline. This is amazing. Yeah. Um, WrestleMania 2000, which came out on N64, uh, probably my all-time favorite video game ever. And that yeah. that was that had a lot to do with my love for for wrestling. Ironically, um, so I guess to answer your question, it, it, it definitely happened in high school. Um, and then college, I used to get made fun of. I was the one who watched wrestling. I watched the OC. I watched like all that, all that cheesy bullshit. Yeah. And they would make fun of me. And I'd be like, all right, you know what, man, we got three TVs. I'll go downstairs and I'll watch my own. And I think it was like, again, like they were like, all right, he doesn't, he literally does not care that we're making fun of him because I didn't like, you know what I mean? Like I wanted to watch my shit and that's mm -hmm. what I wanted to do. Um, so I did that. In school, did you work? I did. Uh, yeah, I was, um, so I worked with Corey Leshner. Uh, my first job was at, um, my favorite muffin and bagel, uh, which wow. is right next to where El Serape is right. Well, El Serape was, um, that used to in El center Park. square. Yep. That used to be my favorite muffin and bagel. Ironically, it was Corey Leshner and Eric Malhorn. Oh. And, and yeah, we, uh, yeah, <laughs> definitely not ate the all the food. Eh, not the best job for a bunch of fucking high school kids who, you know, I, you know, you wake up Get hungry. Yeah, exactly. You, you go, you go to work hungry, you know, especially like you're, you're, you're waking up and getting hungry at yep. six o'clock in the morning and you got to go make bagels and muffins, cinnamon cheese bagel or uh, muffins. I'll tell you what, man, seven o'clock right out of the freaking oven. Those things, they, they, uh, they fulfill you. You, every single thing that you need. I worked at Wawa. You ain't got to tell me. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then, you took it all. <laughs> yeah. And then Corey, Corey left uh, My Favorite Muffin and Bagel and uh, went to um, right next to Pudges. Pudgies, Pudges. Uh -huh. uh, he went to the produce, uh, the produce shop. No, um, we were in between Pudgies and, um, and Pepperidge Farm. It was called uh, Four Seasons Fat, uh, Patio and Fireplace. So it was a fireplace and patio store where oh. our boss, um, he was, he was awesome, man. He was this, uh, you know, 
very, very flamboyant gay guy who was, was his name was Eli and just very very like just down to earth and loved Corey. I Corey, I mean, uh, if you know anything about Corey, Corey was very very mature, you know, at like at 15, 16 years old. This kid was making money. He was making yeah. money. He was getting commission at freaking 16, 17 years old. And Eli was teach was was stringing him along and telling him every single thing. And uh, I'll never forget. I, I sold a grill, and I think I made thirty dollars commission on it. And from there, I was I was like, all right, I need to do better. And then I got fired. <laughs> Why did you get fired? Uh, no, no particular reason. Uh, it was business was down, and it was like you know, Corey, Corey low, was the dude. low man on the totem pole. I mean, literally, yeah, exactly. What about uh, what about movies? Any movies from high school that you were uh, that you were big into? I mean. From from the time I was six from, years old, from high school, let's say. I was gonna say, I mean, Ghostbusters has always been my shit. So okay. you're not gonna, you're, I'm, I, I mean, high school. Ooh, shit, Scary Movie Two. Um, yeah. yeah. Malhorn and I going into Scary Movie Two with a fifth of vodka and uh, some whiskey. Of course, as I like to say now in these in these um in these Zoom times, that this would be the moment I would ask you to sign my yearbook. If we were in person, let's see. Let's see if I can get this here. Oh, what a handsome fellow! Oh, wait, oh, there he goes. Look at that guy. Shit, I know that my uh, my quote was from Alcoholics Anonymous, and um, they uh, they they put they took the AA out of it. Oh, yeah, I can't remember. It was like uh, the times in front of us are a lot worse than the times behind us. What? What is that quote? It's very close. So the task the task ahead of us is never as great as the power behind us. Yeah. All right. And you took that from AA? Yeah, it was an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, a quote. And I was pissed off because, like, you know, it says, like, who the quote was by. And I, it was Alcoholics Anonymous. That's where I found it. And I, mean, I thought it was a were you going? Quote. Were you going to AA meetings? Um, I only went. We only had to go to AA for, I think it was like, it was like three weeks. Was it a court-mandated thing? Yeah. Yes, it was. Gotcha. Like, me, Keenan, uh, me, Keenan Stampone. Um, who else was in there? Uh, there's a, there was a couple of us, but it was called Aldersgate. And we got a certificate when we, um, uh, got a certificate when we graduated. And Did you met some very foxy women from upper Dublin. So there was that So circle became bigger. <laughs> was there, was there a reason that you can talk about why, why you were in a court mandated AA? Yeah, Keenan was pissing on a wall outside of Costas. Um, we had just gotten thrown out of a Wings game because uh, Corey Corey had a bunch of natty lights in his big in his like big fucking winter coat. Yeah, and uh, he was handing them out. And next thing you know, people are like coming up, like, "Oh, we got eyes in the sky. You can't bring alcohol in here. You guys are under twenty one. So we dodged a bullet. They just kicked us out. They took our beer and they kicked us out. We get in the car and we go up to Costas and we're like, "All right, let's get." You know, we had to get cigarettes and, and all the stupid yeah. uh, high school things that high, that we did back then. Um, and um, then Keenan decided that he had to pee and uh, decided to pee right on that brick wall, right in front of uh, biggest, you know, busiest fight. intersection of Ambler. Exactly. Uh, cops called cool. in and, uh, you know, arrested us. And uh, yeah. All right. You know, so when I, you put this quote in, then is it as a joke as a, like a, Hey, remember we were there? Wink, wink. No, no, the, I, 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 like I said, I'm, I'm a, I'm a wordsmith, man. Like, yeah. like I, I love, I love like quote, like I, it took me a long time to figure out my quote. Like I put a lot of thought into it and I just thought like, 
hey, you know what? Like, this is where we're going. And, you know, I, I want to make sure that I, I do something that I'm remembered by. I didn't want to do something stupid and, and be looked at like, you know, you're a douche. Um, hmm. So, you know, that was the that was the quote that I came with. And um, it was Alcoholics Anonymous. I put that on there and they they cut it. They cut that part out. I'm like, that's interesting, because if you look through the senior yearbook, there's a couple Easter eggs that I'm sure you can find where people have said stupid shit or put stupid initials next to each other. Yeah. yeah. They spell out they spell things out. So. Oh, know. yeah. Oh, now I'm going to have to. Oh, I see what Dan Eisen did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to dive deeper in this. All right. So let's look at your clubs Then you got swimming from nine to 12. You, we haven't talked to, I mean, other than the fact that you hated swimming and then you did swimming, what's that about? I just hated it, but you still did it. Yeah. My older brother, man, he got a scholarship to Delaware. He was, um, he was big into swimming and, uh, it was something where my dad was like, you have to do a sport every, 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 uh, you know, every trimester and like, what what are you going to do in the winter? And, um, uh, you know, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't good at swimming, but I wasn't terrible. So it was like one of those things where like, I, it didn't matter how big you were. It didn't matter like about muscles. It didn't matter. About anything. It was just uh it was something that, that I was, I was decent at. And uh, it's like, all right, let's go. Okay. I'll do it. I'll, I'll swim. Okay. Um, the worst part about swimming was uh, morning practice at 5 a.m. Like, fuck that, dude. I don't even oh, wake wow. up at 5 a.m. now with kids. Yeah. Like, my kids start screaming. All right, I'll throw I'll throw like a Hershey's kiss in there before come, I get out of bed. Come get you at 630. Yeah, exactly. Take, it, take another hour. Football for nine. So you didn't keep it going. Yeah, you, did, you, you tried Ricky it. Smith, uh, Ricky Smith, um, he busted my um, – my, uh, he – he bruised my kidney and I was pissing blood for like three days. Um, picked me up, put me down right on my back. And, uh, I started peeing blood and had to go to the doctor. They're like, you have a bruised kidney, by the way, the most painful experience of my entire life. Uh, and then lacrosse nine through 12. Yeah, and, man. um, lacrosse. and he got one year Definitely. of key club. Yeah. The one year where, um, you, you, all right, so lacrosse nine through twelve, definitely the the best four years of my life. I, I loved everything about lacrosse, um, except for our coach. Uh, coach Gabriel did not like me, did not, you know, appreciate, you know, what I brought to the table. I, mm. you know, I, I was an attackman like Jaywan and um, Jaywan and who are the some of the other attack guys like Danny Cassidy. They were better athletes. Um, but every time that he put that, I would go in, like, at least I would get like an assist or a goal. You know what I mean? Like it, it was fun to play, but I was, I was the JV superstar. Like here I am junior year, all my, all the boys, all my boys are are playing varsity as, mm. as juniors. And here I am, but you know, at the same time, I'm cleaning up, I'm cleaning up on JV. Like, that's the way I looked at it. I'm like, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I'm the leading goal scorer for the JV team. You know, like things like that. You gotta, you gotta look at the good. And so lacrosse, I mean, for me, it wasn't about being good. I just love the sport, mm. the, the contact, the, like the camaraderie, like just everything that we did, um, was, was, was a lot of fun key club. Yeah. So it comes to key club and this is probably where we're gonna, we're gonna have to log off after this story. Dude. Um, so <laughs> I will, I will tell you that, uh, Mr. Milio was in charge of key club and oh boy. He, well, it has nothing to do with Mr. Milio. Okay. So Mr. Milio, he so we went to the zoo, the Philadelphia Zoo 
in our senior year in high school. And for whatever fucked up reason that Mr. Milia was thinking of, he decided to team me and Malhorn together um, to, uh, you know, take care of a Shady Grove. I think it was like probably a first grader. His name was Francisco. I'll never forget it. So Francisco, Francisco was a, um, a ADHD student. And he said, I'm putting both of you together because, you know, you, two of you, one of him, he, he will, you know, he'll go crazy. So no sugar. Soon as we get off the bus, Malhorn takes Francisco to the funnel cake line and gives him funnel cake. Yeah. All right. So, so I get, I, I went to the bathroom. And I, I come out and I just see Francisco housing funnel cake, man. Like oh, man. it's all over his face. I'm like, I'm like, Eric, yo, this is not good. And, and Malhorn's like, Dude, stop, man. Let him have some fun. Let him have some fun. So we had to take him to the nurse at like 11, 1130 so he could take his medicine. And um, the, we didn't know where the nurse was. We're, we're in West Philadelphia. Now we're in the Philadelphia Zoo. You have no idea where the nurse is. So Malhorn and Francisco are running in front of me. Nurse, nurse, nurse. And dude, this is a true story. Like I'm, I'm embarrassed. I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe. Malhorn's having the time of his life thinking this is hilarious. Francisco is just freaking running up and down the walls. And we finally find the nurse, get, get the medicine. And I am just like mortified. And I like Mr. Milio, we get back on the bus and Mr. Milio goes, How'd it go? And I was like, it went really, really well. And <laughs> never, never another word was spoken about it. But the people and the way that they looked at us, two high school kids with a first grader screaming up and down for the nurse. Yeah. I, I was just sitting there. I was like, I, I don't know how this is ever going to work out. Like as an educator now, I never would have thought that I would be an educator. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what kind of dumbass? Like, but it wasn't like, you, it was Eric. Well, I also told Eric, I said, listen, I have to go to the bathroom. Let me pee real quick. I'll meet you. I'll meet you right by the snack bar. That was my fault. So Malhorn is sitting there and he's like, all right, snack bar, funnel cake. Let's give this kid some fucking sugar and let's see what happens. Well, this has been like awesome, dude. We fit it in. We got it in before you got to roll and get the kids. Yeah, it's actually. And my wife, she just got home. And I, if I showed you, stop talking. You talk too much. You never stop talking, do you? Just stop. These are the memes. These are the memes that she's sending me. I'm not even right now. Like she literally just walked in. I'm like, what the fuck, man? You just, you got your hair done. Like, good. I'm glad you got your hair done. We got to get the kids at seven anyway. So here, you know, I'm I'm doing everything that I can do to make this thing work for you, dude. This was a ball. This was this a lot of fun. fun. Yeah, dude. I appreciate you having me, man. Like I said, I've been I've been kind of like secretly waiting for it, and I'm glad that it actually worked out. I'm glad that we made it work out. Definitely. Uh, and then, you know, uh, hopefully my kids are full of pizza now, and I can go and fucking take them, and then I can get some food in my stomach because I'm perfect at this point. Perfect. All right, brother. All right, brother. Have a good night, man. Thanks, Have a man. Good weekend, of course. Thank you very much. Thank you, man. It was a great time. Yep. I'll talk later. to you soon. Man. You got it. Later, dude. All right, later. All right. That was my conversation with Chris Gebert. Like I said at the start, just really fun. Um, I didn't know Chris at all in high school, nor did I know him beyond music. But I guess nice is the best way to describe how Chris came across to me in this conversation. And I don't mean that generically. I mean really nice. I mean, the way that Chris remembers his mom, 
the influence that Mrs. Patterson had on his life, the way he talks about it, and the way he talks about how much he loves his wife. Jackie, if you're still listening, I promise there's another like eight minutes that didn't even make the podcast where he's talking about how much he loved you from the very beginning. I thought the country club stigma was pretty interesting, and I did see some similarities to my relationship with my grandfather and Chris's with his, just in that they were both bringing us into this world that we didn't live in normally, and it made us sort of uncomfortable by how others might perceive us. I don't think I ever thought about it like that until Chris started describing his situation. Uh, I really do hope in the future that we can get this whole Battle Hits crew together and maybe do something fun and uh, share some of this music that we love talking about so much. If you want to watch a video of this conversation with Chris, youtube.com slash redshirtplayer. Subscribe to the channel. And of course, Facebook, Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. I have more interviews scheduled over the next couple of weeks. We'll see which one ends up making it first. So I will talk to everyone then in two weeks on a Monday morning with another guest. Later.